0: Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's game day and welcome to a big edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily heading into tonight's Bombers-Als game at IGF where the blue and gold look to go 10-0 and and remain undefeated on the season. Welcome to the show. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. It's going to be a great one. Eddie Tate's going to join us from IG Field. Ticket sales are nuts today. From hearing from some members of the Bombers organization, it will be over 30,000 tonight. And uh, obviously, the Bombers looking to uh, continue their historic start to the season and trying to match the best start in franchise history since 1960 to get to 10-0. and 0, Bombers will be a big topic today. Uh, but we'll also talk about some interesting news in the NHL offseason. A very significant goaltending injury announced today in the Western Conference, as well as the start of the World Juniors in Canada's first game in front of an incredibly sparse crowd. So uh, all that coming up. Kenny Weave's going to join us from Vegas a little bit later on. We'll also touch on a bit of tennis what a scene it was last night, Welcome uh, honoring Serena Williams for her incredible career. She was bounced in the second round at the National Bank Open and um, will finish her active playing career as she evolves, not retires, but evolves uh, at the U.S. Open. John Horn's going to jump on as well. We'll get the latest on Felix Auger-Aliassime and uh, Bianca Andreescu, who are still alive in the singles draws on the men's and women's side. So it's going to be a great show. Great to have you all with us and stick around a little later on we do have a pair of tickets for the game tonight which we will give away to some lucky wst viewer on our youtube channel later on in the program uh big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day uh vita health f apparel wallace and wallace Aiken's lake culligan water Met, uh royal sports breezy bend not autocorp little brown jug princess auto Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs Canadian Club in Cool Bet, Canada. And by the way, just quickly before we get into it, big day, obviously, for the Bombers. Also a big day for our friends Nick and Nicky and the entire Dairy Queen family. Today is Miracle Treat Day. It's always a great time to get a blizzard, but if you needed a little extra excuse to do it today, today is that day to do it. All proceeds from every blizzard sold go to the Children's Miracle Network and Children's Hospital of Manitoba 100% of the funds stay in Manitoba and last year the group of DQ's built and funded a new AKG stress room at the Children's Hospital so the money does really go directly to great use so great day for a blizzard uh, over at our friends Nick and Nikki DQ we'll talk about that a little later on let's get the show on the road welcome everyone with us live on YouTube and welcome in Michael Remus to the program Remo what's up yeah, well, I'm feeling good. What a great day
1: here in our what in our bomber blue today. And uh, yeah, bombers, the owls, that's what we're the big focus. Great weather, getting ready for a good weekend here. Uh, Goldeyes in town playing well. Um, so yeah,
0: enjoying summer, right? Get some ice cream. This, this is what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. Get a blizzard on Miracle Treat Day and head on down and watch the bombers do what they always do and that's win football games oh by the way i've also got a a cool cool bet exclusive bet on the game tonight if you want to jump on that we'll tell you about that a little later on hey listen before we get too much into tonight's game and all the other big stories of the day um did want to just recognize um a young man that i think captured the hearts of hockey fans everywhere um and his tragic passing yesterday of course that was ben stelter who, um, if you were following the Stanley Cup playoffs, was the uh, young, I believe, five-year-old um, kid in Edmonton that um, you know, was dealing with some pretty significant health problems. And, um, you know, he inspired that fan base. He inspired the team at Edmonton. And and it was, um, I think we've seen pretty much all the teams around the National Hockey Express condolences. It was just... Man, it was probably 10 minutes after we were off the air yesterday where I saw the tweet from his father, Mike. Um, And listen, I mean, I think you sort of knew that if you dug into what he was dealing with, that, you know, unfortunately, um, this was a possibility. But I'll tell you what, the joy that he brought to so many, uh, including the Edmonton Oilers uh, and the connection he had with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl was so special. And um, it just makes you... Makes you appreciate what you have, um, because obviously um, there are people dealing with things that, um, you know, if you're lucky enough not to be dealing with, um, you know, you'll hopefully you never will. But uh, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, ben Stelter was a darling of the entire hockey world and inspiration to so many. And uh, Reem, that was a really, really sad thing to hear. And I think it really impacted so many people that, um, you know, remembered the story and remembered all the incredible scenes of Ben in and around the Euler team as they had their great playoff run in the spring.
1: Yeah, he was there. Good luck charm. Uh, I think they went undefeated for a while, uh, with him in the building. And I saw the tweet from his dad and, you know, as a young father myself, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, the pain and, and what they're going through. But I think you said it so well before, just the joy that he brought to so many, um, during that playoff run and extremely, um, Saddened to see that news. It, w- it was right after we finished yesterday. but you know, it was nice to see outpouring of support. Um, you know each I saw many NHL teams responding to the tweet and you know McDavid uh, showing you know tweeting out the picture as well uh, of them in the dressing room. Um, yeah, that's a that's a tough situation, really, really sad uh, sad to see that yesterday.
0: I, I will give a big uh, a lot of credit to the Oilers organization, McDavid and Dry in particular. Um, you know, I think when they found out about this situation, they they really did go above and beyond to try to make um every moment for Ben as special as possible. And uh there were so many of those moments he was at the game. I mean, the play La Bomba baby. I was listening to Gazola was filling in for Dusty, who's here uh today to call the game for TSN. And um that was playing pretty much all morning today. And um, you know, it, it really did impact the people there in northern Alberta. Um and I think people around hockey that you know, fell in love with that little boy. And um, obviously just a real sad, sad bit of news yesterday, but I did want to touch that on because I know a lot of people in chat were, uh, were talking about it. Um, that being said, Reem, um, we will uh, maybe get to that a little bit more and some of the other big hockey stories with Ken Weeb, including Robin Lehner out for the season. What does that do for the Vegas yeah. Golden Knights? Um, but I got to tell you, um, as I said, I just saw the tweet from Darren Cameron. This game tonight is going to be wild. And um, I remember doing the show after the game against the Calgary Stampeders, and we just talked about the incredible atmosphere that has been growing game after game at IG Field. That game in the atmosphere against Calgary, albeit 30-plus degrees, The atmosphere, or the temperature, I guess, was very different than the West final, but it was about as close as I can remember um, to it being that, and I think tonight might be even crazier. Here's Darren Cameron's tweet. Just sent a quick note to rock star Carol Barrett asking how the day was going on the ticket front. Her reply, one word, nuts. Let's go for the W. Um, This team absolutely deserves the support that it's getting right now from fans, uh, Reem, but I mean, step by step, they've continued to build this. And not only are they the best team in the Canadian Football League, not only are they the back-to-back champs, but now are leading the league in attendance. And I think tonight is going to be another special, special night at IG Field for the Bombers and their fans. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Look, they're
1: 9-0, a chance at 10-0, historic start to the season. You know, they're putting line, betting lines out. If they can go undefeated, people are starting to realize... This is a historic team. It's great weather today. Why not? Why not go out to IG Field, take it all in? We saw the great atmosphere. I mean, it was, I think that helps too. That you know, the last home game was a couple weeks ago against Calgary, and everyone left that game saying, "Wow, that was one of the best football games I've ever seen." Uh, the Bombers were favored by like eleven before. I checked today; it was a bit less. It was a bit less than that. So. But if it's anything like the fourth quarter of last week, well the Bombers should run away and everyone will be <laughs> celebrating, but that's not always how it goes how it goes. You know, you think one team is way better, maybe it'll be closer, but uh I think the Bombers should head into the buy for one of the odds makers, they're more likely to than not head into the buy at 10 and 0 and I think it'll be a celebration and a great night at IG Field when the team wears their what are do these retro do these third jerseys have a name? Like the Jets, they didn't call the the Jets mm. thirders. They were aviator blue. It was
0: they These know the other. Uh, I will coin them the uh, the back to back color rush. Back to because th- we've got the the stripes for the back to back gray cups, mm. uh, and this is a barely it basically the color rush um, the color rush look here. with the blue on blue. I'm I'm pulling it up here. Shout out, to, shout out to the Bombers,
1: social media team is doing a great job letting us know. They had this is a, great. They had a tweet at the beginning of the year. Here's our uniform schedule for the year. <laughs> I know. That was great. And, and it was incredible. And I saw uh people were like, this is a news. I was like, yeah, it is news. We want to know what the team is wearing and what they're going to look like. So you got your back to back striping on. The bombers are going to go blue on blue. Really into this, really into this look. I think it's going to be they're going to look sharp tonight. I don't know what Montreal's wearing going white on white. Is that what uh, they do? That?
0: You know what? I have not seen the uh, the kit yeah, for the tw- visitors. Did they tonight? tweet it out? <laughs> is there Montreal social media
1: as good as good as the Jets or not the Jets? The Bombers. Although Montreal, uh, they they got really snarky last week. I didn't like it.
0: Yeah, because of the air horns.
1: Yeah. Uh, here. There.
0: Yeah the uh, the uh, the Montreal Alouettes. Um, the only thing that I can say is that the Bombers will hopefully welcome them and treat them as poorly. As the idiots with the air horns treated everyone that was at the game last week or watching on television, which was <laughs> imagine sitting through this. People Horrible. are triggered. People are triggered just hearing that. And that was three hours of that last week against the Alouettes. It was absolutely nuts. It was
1: ab- yeah, absolutely insane. Um one thing too, we should mention about the game tonight, and I know the bombers, uh, I think the 50-50 starting out at 100k
0: pot. So, David's mentioning it's already over 125Gs. So, definitely get a 50/50 ticket if you're there tonight. I Listen, I love gambling on pretty much anything. I often <laughs> won't get the 50/50. Just I don't know why. I mean, just it's not ever a priority. I mean, some people, especially in Saskatchewan and Alberta, it's like you know, the first thing you do, you go to the game and get a bunch of 50-50 tickets. Tonight I'll be getting 50-50 tickets. I would imagine that if it's now at 125K, this will be well in excess of a half million bucks, I think. By the you time it's so? oh yeah, oh yeah, I do. Especially when you think about the crowd, the ability to buy online, the fact that people are already talking and buying on it. Someone's leaving. With a fat check tonight uh, from that football game, courtesy of this monster fifty-fifty. Wow! And the best part is now the fifty-fifty—you can just
1: scan the thing in front of your seat and buy it on your phone, uh, and I, you could do it from home as well. I think feel like that's catching on. I, I don't know if that was catching on as much, uh, you know, early, but people are used to. That kind of well, the Jets stuff. were
0: doing it. The Jets did a bunch on the road on for road games, and I, I'll be honest, I didn't pay too close attention to see what it got to. Uh, but the Bomber games, just the nature of the football schedule, are so much more of an event uh, with only 18 throughout the regular season. Um, I just think that you know, well, the chances are that this one will be big, big tonight. So we're gonna get to the game with Ed Tate coming up in a few minutes, and don't forget, stick around. Towards the end of the program, we'll fire out the wheel of winners. And now uh, we've got another pair of tickets and a pair of social passes for the game tonight. So we'll get some lucky WST winners that aren't already going to the game in. Throw the blue on and uh, look to see the champs hopefully get to 10-0 and 0 tonight. Um, well, he, he, one thing synonymous with massive 50-50s, Ream, has always been the World Junior Hockey Championships. Mm. I have a feeling the 50-50 at some of these games in the summer version of the tournament in Edmonton uh, falling far short of expectations, much like the crowds. Did you see the Canada-Latvia game yesterday? Canada won. I believe the score was 5-2. But let's face it. If you turn that game on television, two things stood out. First of all, the way the broadcast started with Cheryl Pounder and Sheldon Kennedy talking very Rick Westhead as well uh, about the Hockey Canada scandal, what needs to happen going forward. And it was, frankly, uh, amazing to see TSN, which is such a close partner of Hockey Canada, have Harold Cheryl Pounder talking about, wondering whether she should take her Hockey Canada jersey off of the wall in her basement. And Sheldon Kennedy very passionately saying a number of things, including the fact that Scott Smith, the head of Hockey Canada, has only been on the job for about a month, technically needs to go. That was weird at one point. And then when you think about how popular this tournament has been over the years, even with it being August, to see what 2,000, 2,500 people at the game for a Canada game um, was absolutely shocking. And I, I said to you, About a month ago, I was really wondering how this event was going to go off. I was already skeptical about it being played in August to begin with. And now with everything else happening around Hockey Canada, I think it, you know, put it even more in a tough position. But it is quite apparent that the combination of all of these influences are going to make this the biggest flop in World Junior history here in Canada. And uh, you wonder what this does. I I was having a conversation with a friend that the damage to the World Junior brand right now and Hockey Canada could be so significant that this could maybe fundamentally change how big of an event this is going forward, even at Christmas. I guess time will tell on that, Uh, but it is basically friends and family in the building right now, even for the Canada games.
1: Yeah, I got a picture uh, here on our screen, courtesy of Corey Pronman on Twitter. Um, Yeah, not a lot of people there. It is in August. I think who wants to go, you know, you can either go outside here to uh, a Gold Eyes game or a, or a bomber game for your, your sporting event. I know Edmonton, we see Dusty and Tom always fired up with the baseball there as well. They got a nice park, but I uh, I don't know if going inside to watch hockey in August is really appealing. And then you have all the other stuff, but I think when you t- agree, when you tune into the game, um, you know, well done at the, by TSN at the start of the broadcast, as you mentioned,
0: they had to do I, something like yeah. that. I mean, there's no way they could throw up it's, Bob McKenzie and O-Dog and just talk about all these great young canadian players without sort of acknowledging the elephant in the room and this is not just an elephant in the room this is frankly a massive black cloud over the entire event and the entire organization and i really feel for the for the players i mean this is not the atmosphere i think that they expected they'd be getting listen they want the opportunity to play and represent the country i totally get that uh but this is nothing like what they grew up watching and you know, we'll see how it affects their play so far. It was sort of an up-and-down game for the Canadians against Latvia yesterday. Um, they'll be back in action a little later on tonight as well. Um, but it, it, it's just sad, I mean, the way that this has all happened. I was very skeptical in the first place about moving the event to this, but I understood, hey, you want to give these kids the opportunity to play. And I think, unfortunately, the real reason why they were doing it, because they had no problem canceling a whole bunch of other uh, IHF events was to um, to get money, uh, you know, to pay for, obviously, a lot of losses from the Christmas event. Um, this is just basically going to be a double whammy of massive losses, I think. and You know, you do wonder what that does to grassroots hockey, the women's program, sledge programs, all the other things that, you know, inevitably benefit from the windfall of cash that the World Junior Championships normally brings in. Yeah, one thing I think we should mention as well, and I see people in
1: chat uh speaking to this, uh ticket pricing. I think world junior ticket it's pricing the last couple of years. It's gotten out of control. You know what their char- Thursday's game, Slovakia versus Canada. I mean, look at all the tickets available on the I'm have Ticketmaster up on the screen. But the cheapest ticket, hundred hundred and thirty dollars, hundred and nine dollars. Uh I think we need to realize that this is, you know, a junior tournament in the summer and maybe act accordingly and you could fill fill the seats and people are kind of you know rejecting you know rejecting hockey canada for the reasons you mentioned but also the pricing i don't think is really inviting people to say hey it's not, it's not attractive people inside to watch hockey on
0: august Who the hell is 11th was paying 130 bucks to go in and see a preliminary game in the world junior hockey championships well i mean honestly it, it, And I go back, I've used this word a few times with Hockey Canada, the hubris that they've shown over the course of the years. I mean, listen, I was part of it. I worked there for a while. Obviously, it was on the women's side and was very different. But you saw the way the World Junior Championship evolved from Red Deer to Winnipeg then to these events, um, you know, they ran this organization like a professional team. And you look at the national hockey teams, what are they doing? They're trying to squeeze every red cent out of every fan at every corner. And um, they've just gone way past anything that's possibly reasonable. Um, and they're seeing the results of that right now. It really is the perfect storm on what unfortunately is a disaster of a tournament. We'll see what Kenny Weeb has to say about that a little later on. We're going to get to some football, though, with Ed Tate in just a minute. And, hey, big game tonight for the Bombers. <clears throat> Tomorrow, the Goldeyes are back in action. I believe the Goldeyes are playing tonight as well. But uh, tomorrow's the Manitoba Social. But Saturday is the Bark at the Park at the Goldeys Games. We'll try and get Andrew Collier on to uh, tell us about the big weekend coming up for the Fish. But our friends at Wallace & Wallace are sponsoring the Bark in the Park game on Saturday um, it's sponsored by Wallace and Wallace. If you and your furry friend will be at the game watching the Gold eyes take on Sioux City, don't forget to drop by the Wallace and Wallace photo booth and get your pet portrait done. And while you're there, ask them about their special offer. Bark in the Park ticket holders will get 100 bucks off a chain link dog run or fence and if you're not in the market for a dog runner or have been too busy enjoying the summer to worry about replacing your fence, now's the time to visit them at wallacefences.com. You can use their online calculator to compare costs on wood, vinyl, ornamental, and chain link or simply give them a call to talk to an expert or visit them at their showroom on Lawson Road. Looking forward to that game on the weekend, Bark in the Park, always super fun. Well, if you're going out to the ballpark or the game tonight, you won't need to be dressed up, but you are going to come fall when things hopefully continue to get back to normal. And if you're in the market for a new suit, before you do anything Get down to F Apparel. Talk to Andrew and his great staff about all the options on custom suits beginning at 400 bucks. Hey, every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F will get you looking better than ever. They've got all the accessories as well and a great deal on shirts through the summer. Three custom shirts for just $210. Find out more at F Apparel. If you've got a wedding party, talk to them about the 15% discount. If you in the boys get the suits from f and of course you can always visit them downtown at 190 smith street they're online at fephapparel.com hey uh, vita health ready for the weekend uh of course it's barbecue season right now and vita health uh, not only is stocked with manitoba's uh, best selection of local organic and natural grocery supplements and beauty products all at great prices but incredible selections for the grill, including lean bison steaks, chicken, hot dogs, burgers, and more. And if you're entertaining, a great selection of delicious non-alcoholic drinks and cocktails, including sober carpenter beers and clever mocktails to uh, take care of your guests or whatever they need. Um, they're, of course, a great local company. been in business for over 85 years. Seven Winnipeg locations. Pop down and see them. Check out the Vital Health Grab and Go Deli as well. But you can also shop online, check out everything they have, schedule a delivery or in-store pickup online at myvita.ca. And again, a big thanks to our friends at Aikens Lake. Had just an amazing weekend fishing there last week. Back to business for us. But uh, if you're thinking about planning an amazing trip, two hours from the city, you can be on the water, fly in, off the grid. (laughs) Akins Lake is the spot to do it. Not only is the fishing five-star, but the people are even better. Find out more online at akinslake.com or um, hit our pal to rent up on Twitter at Akins Lake. All right, 30,000-plus, an undefeated football team. It is on tonight at IG Field. Let's welcome in our good friend Ed Tate to uh, get things going. Eddie, what is up? How's the uh, How's the calm before the storm down at IG Field right now? I will tell you what it's buzzing
2: it's cool right I mean there's a lot going on tonight with the uh, expecting a crowd of around 30,000 which is going to be awesome uh you know weather's perfect got the flyby before the game uh military appreciation night uh the 50-50 pot starting at 100 grand you get $5 beers before kickoff I mean this is if I wasn't working I would <laughs> I'd be all over this one
0: yeah, I guess it's sort of tough to walk into the boss's office and ask for a a holiday day on a game day. Yeah, but listen, this is why we all do it. We can't wait to do it. Um, this, you know, I have to say, and we'll get to the actual game and the matchup and the rematch of last week's game in a minute. But it just feels, and again, I'm a little more removed from it, but I mean, talking to fans every day, talking about it here on the program, Ed, it sort of feels like this gradual growth, much like the football team did A few years ago coming from the middle of the road to being better to being the best that is really sort of now followed with the the fan base the crowds i mean that calgary game a couple or was it like geez now it's almost a month ago which is sort of maybe another reason why people are so excited to get back there um was an atmosphere that was different than the west final but for a regular season game was about as good as i can remember here in winnipeg uh, maybe outside the return post-pandemic of the game against the Ticats. Uh, I-, I imagine this is going to be even better tonight, and this team deserves it, but um, everything's going the Bombers' way, and it seems like people, for the most part, even very casual fans, are realizing that they better get in because uh, if they, much like the people that missed out last game, they really missed an incredible night if they weren't at the park.
2: That's a real good point, Huss. You know, <clears throat> this team kind of prides itself on the, you know, the this is a big game because it's the next game just go 1-0 and this week but you and I have talked about this before um it's t- it's time for us to kind of embrace this moment we're in right as fans as as people that love uh, live sports this is a special run for the Bombers you know two-time great cup champions are on this 9-0 run haven't been 10-0 to start a season since 1960 you know these are all uh historic things and and Everybody knows the struggles this franchise had in the Grey Cup drought from 1990 until 2019. You know, when this building first opened, um, it was great to be here. It was such a—it's a, still such a beautiful park. But the Bombers hardly ever won here, right? They were seven and twenty-three in their first thirty games at IG Field. So I think now everybody just appreciates the fact that um, you know the streak's going to end. But when you come here. It, we saw it in the West final, too. It doesn't matter if it's plus 30 or minus 30. People are going to have a good time. It's a good place to uh, to check the game out. And mm-hmm. and by and large, the Bombers have a real good chance of winning because they've been so dominant lately. So for all the hard times that Bomber fans have been through, uh, let's soak this all up and enjoy it because uh, it's pretty freaking special. Well, i glad got- I threw myself there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, we've got the uh, we've got a heck of a uh, we've got a heck of a day today for a football game. We have a, uh, you know, an undefeated team and we've got a fan base that I think is uh has, is all in on this club. And I just can't wait to get out there. By the way, folks, if you don't have a seat, I do have a couple. We'll do a special giveaway later on. So make sure to stay with us until the end of the program. All that being said, Eddie had the great Milt Stegall on the show a couple days ago. And obviously, we were gushing over what the Bombers have done and what a special team it is and how they got there. But he did say, and this was interesting, the biggest threat to the Bombers on the schedule is bye week. Um, He thought that, you know, they're clearly the better team. We've seen what they've done throughout. They're a heavy favorite tonight in the game. Um, But that, you know, with finally the end of this incredible run of schedule in so many football games in such a short period of time, guys could be looking ahead that being said he also couched it with regular teams maybe but that doesn't really seem like a Michael Shea team would be doing that and uh, I guess they've sort of earned the benefit of the doubt with the way they've been so consistently excellent so far
2: yeah they they, there's a lot of truth to that theory and and Milt would have lived it about how a team reacts the game before the bye week Um, you know a crappy team can't wait to get out of town so guys would probably come to the to the the game game night with their bags packed and have their suitcases right by their locker, which would be a horrible look, right? I mean, Mike O'Shea would probably cut you on the spot if he saw that. <laughs> um, so it depends on the team. Um, that that issue that topic came up a couple times this week, and if you ask Mike O'Shea about it, uh, you just get daggers thrown back at you, right, with that stare of his. Uh, um, I just don't think this team is thinking that. I think they like winning. They like being around. I don't know what the numbers are. I'm sure lots of guys are getting out of town. But I bet you there's quite a few guys that are just going to stay in town because they like hanging out with each other. So um, it will be interesting to see what happens in the second and third by later in the season. This is the first one after this crazy, crazy start to the season. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if a lot of guys – just want to sleep in Friday morning and uh, and and get up and and spend Saturday and Sunday doing nothing. So um, it, it will be very interesting. That's something to keep an eye on tonight to see uh, how sharp Winnipeg is, knowing that uh, tomorrow begins a, a bit of a break for them.
0: Uh, listen, no one's beaten them so far, and um, they get a big big boost to the lineup in the return of Greg Ellingson, who uh, the last time we saw in that game against Calgary had his best game as a bomber and was, you know, I- I- incredibly important in that game. It's been great to see guys like Dalton Schoen, Rashid Bailey, get more into it. Will um in the back, but fill us in on how Ellingson looked um, and what his return to the lineup will do for Zach Caleros.
2: Well, he, uh, he looks like he always looks. He's just so smooth. Everything with him is effortless. And, uh, you, you know, getting him back is massive. What was impressive uh, in the in the three games he was out with it was how other guys stepped up. And you mentioned them, them all. Um, one of the my favorite uh, stats is second down conversions for a receiver because it means that he's moving the chains and all that stuff to stay on the field. But it also means that the quarterback – when things maybe break down, that's where his first look is. And uh, Greg Ellingson was leading the, the CFL in all kinds of categories, including that one before he got hurt. So that's going to be an important thing for him to have, be back tonight. But what really impressed me in his absence was how a guy like Drew Alitarski stepped up and was the second down conversion guy. Rashid Bailey was that guy in a few games. Of course, Dalton Schoen has been doing it all along. But, you know, Nick Dembski's been back for a couple games now. They look a lot more potent with everybody on board on on offense. And maybe that helps uh, tonight to take away some of the uncertainty we saw last week when Montreal is bringing as much pressure as they did, forced Zach Kolaros into some mistakes. But maybe having Ellingson out there is his safety net in those circumstances. And so it's another thing to keep an eye on tonight.
0: I'll say that in his absence, um, the best development for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, not that they needed many more, uh, was the emergence of the running game in Brady Oliveira and it was interesting Ed and I know you were there to hear Brady speak about you know how tough it was earlier in the season to hear some of the second guessing the questioning of uh, you know his role in the team obviously I mean Andrew Harris <laughs> not being here anymore is a you know a pretty big loss and a guy that was important to the fan base important to the club um and the expectations were much higher because of the role that he was coming into but I'll tell you what, he seems to have be uh, hitting his groove right now. He's been breaking some big plays that weren't there earlier in the season. And as we talked with Stanley Bryant earlier this week on the program as well, it seems like it isn't just Brady that's elevated his game. It's the connection between he and an offensive line that is feeling more and more comfortable in asserting themselves on that line of scrimmage and the results have spoken for themselves. And that's huge for the passing game as well.
2: Oh, it's massive that this that the the run game has found some traction. You know, a couple weeks ago, uh, he had a real good game against Edmonton. The numbers might not have been there, but the the average uh, per rush were really good. And then in the Calgary win in Calgary, after the game, that's the first time we heard him be so candid about how some of the outside criticism was bothering him, especially as a Winnipeg guy. I mean, it's a storybook, right, for a Winnipeg guy to replace a Winnipeg guy who's gone. To the hall of fame uh and then this week he spoke of some of the conversations he had in the first calgary game here where he only had eight yards rushing during the game uh kevin burgoyne the receivers coach who was brady's running backs coach last year told him just be yourself be run the way you want to run and jason hogan the new running backs coach gave him an uplifting speech too in the last few weeks so those are all important but we sometimes we forget that Brady has hasn't started a lot of games in this league and you know he may, might not have uh, the level of confidence that we expect from a guy that's uh, you know a pro athlete the, these guys uh, read uh, social media that as much as some of them say they want to block out the noise I th- I'm, I think Brady was hurt by that stuff and we forget he's still a young guy still trying to figure this out so all those conversations mm-hmm. helped and then look the production is there too he's running like uh, the Brady that we saw flashes of last year, we had a couple of hundred yard games. He's just a north-south guy. He can put his helmet into somebody's chest and plow them back five yards. And now that he's got his confidence boost and some consistency... I think we're starting to see what uh, Brady uh, Olivera could bring to this offense on a regular basis.
0: Well, and, and, and I mean, listen, I know it wasn't consistent at the beginning of the season. And I've said this a number of times. I mean, the running attack in the first quarter of the game in BC to me was the pivotal thing that allowed the bombers to do what they did offensively uh, with Zach Caleros, just carving them up for the next three quarters. Uh, and the road game in Calgary was the same thing. I mean, the ability to run the football was so important, Ed. And it certainly gives Zach a better look. Mill talk about that. I mean, all the guys want is to be able to get into one-on-one situations and and beat their guy. But the next wrinkle, and I give Buck Pierce a lot of credit for the way he's putting this offense together. We saw McCray get a few of those sort of jet sweeps that often we have saw with Nick Dembski in the past. And now they've got Janarian Grant involved in the offensive game and the jets that he has on him. I mean, if you can get the ball into his hands... It's potential six every time he's got it.
2: Yeah, there was a play last week in the Montreal win. Maybe that's what you're referring to, uh, Huss, where he caught like a swing pass in the backfield and there was an Alouette guy right in front of him and it had minus five written all over it. And he caught the ball and it, it's not like he made a, an incredible like Charles Roberts type deke on a guy. He just caught it and all of a sudden he found that gear and blew by a guy. And it's, it's interesting because Nick Dembski's smart player... And he's really effective on those jet sweeps. We saw Greg McRae have some success with it. But the one thing Janarian Grant has on everybody on this team is that speed. And if you can get him into open spaces, we saw it again last week in Montreal. I thought that was one of his best games as a Blue Bomber. Um, he was dynamic. And it's just another wrinkle. You're right. Buck Pierce has done some pretty cool things with this offense this year, considering he's been games without Nick Dembski. We've been games without... Greg Ellingson. They had Carlton Agadosi for a game, and now he's gone. Like, there's been a lot of change up front uh, with this uh, on offense with this team. And uh, credit to Buck Pierce for coming up with some wrinkles just to make them harder to defend against.
0: Uh, Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com with us getting ready for kickoff tonight 30,000 plus at IG Field. If you haven't already counted yourself in, you still have time to do it, and we'll hope to see you there. Uh, It's easy to focus on. The great game that Oliveira had, I I sort of jokingly put together my three stars when we were talking about this game on the weekend, and Oliveira and Grant were there on the offensive side, but the guy that really stood out to me, Ed, was Winston Rose, and Winston Rose had a tough start to the season, I mean, got victimized a couple times early on in the Ottawa games. Um, He locked down Eugene Lewis, one of the best receivers in the Canadian Football League, and was a huge part of that game from a defensive side. What do you have seen from Rose and the way his season has progressed till his performance last week?
2: Yeah, that's an excellent point. Huh? So, you know, um, he did struggle early on in the year and he, you know, I had a conversation with him when those struggles were going on about how, and he was pretty critical of himself to me last week. He starts to look, he started to look more like the 2019 Winston Rose, the lockdown corner and again, maybe it's confidence. Maybe you get burned a few times, and and you start to play tentative, or you're not a bit as aggressive. And when you're a defensive back or a corner, that's a really dangerous combination because you're going to give up uh, lots of yards over top or in front of you because you're afraid of getting burnt deep. But it, to me, last week looked an awful lot like the the Winston Rose we've come to you know expect. He was he was a game changer. He, you know he did a great job on Lewis, who still had 15 targets. Eugene Lewis has been targeted 30 times in the last two games. That's an incredible number. And maybe it speaks of how one-dimensional Montreal's offense is, is without William Stanbeck. But back to Rose, He's, he looks dynamic. And if they can get him to be consistent again like he is, and you know, you've know, you got Dietrich Nichols and Nick Taylor in there, and then sort of the emergence of Demario Houston has been really impressive. And you know, Brandon Alexander is running and running and getting closer every day. I had a long chat with him. The other day, um, when when he gets back, that secondary becomes that much more uh, deadly to try to throw against.
0: Oh, there's no doubt about it. And Ed, I mean, we kind of mentioned that bye week that's on the just around the corner. And I know Mike O'Shea will not want anyone thinking about that bye week until the final tick is off the clock tonight and hopefully the Bombers are 10-0. and 0. But if they're able to get to 10-0, and 0, considering what they've been through right now, I mean, eight remaining games, five at home where they haven't lost in a long time and three bye weeks mixed in. I mean, it's almost the perfect scenario when you realize the ultimate goal through the regular season, first things first, win the West, and have either the BC Lions or Calgary Stampeders or Riders, whoever makes it through, have to come in and win a football game in the cold in November at IG Field to get the Grey Cup.
2: You know, it's funny. When the Bombers were going through this awful stretch of the schedule, I mean, 10 weeks, they're the last team that... Uh, to have a bye we had the six games in 32 days which is incredible five of six on the road three in a row on the road when we were talking about this and bringing us out every week as as a narrative for us here in winnipeg and on our website in particular um i was hearing some things from people in vancouver and calgary saying yeah but wait a minute once you guys get through this look at that second half of the season so Everybody in Winnipeg's crying about how unfair the schedule is, but the, the rest of the league might be crying about how advantageous it is to Winnipeg in the second half of the season. I, I think you're onto something, Hus. Um, if you lock down uh, a home playoff game, hopefully it's hosting the West Final again. Um, there's so many benefits of that. Uh, you know, there's the financial benefit for the club, uh, but then you got potentially, let's say it's BC, a dome team, a team that's used to playing on the West Coast where you know, when it gets to freezing, everybody's uh, you know looking for help from the government, uh, and the military's coming in. So, uh, if you get a team like that coming to Winnipeg and it's minus thirty, I mean, that's we'll call it home ice advantage, right, for for uh, <laughs> home game of Winnipeg. And then uh, I, I think it's just part of this team. You practice every day. Coach O'Shea wants you to be mentally tough as much as you're physically tough. All those things are, are, are arrows pointing upward for this for this team, but. You're right, get through tonight first, and then uh, you really got to feel good about yourself because some of these other teams are going to start beating up on each other's too um, in, in the next few weeks because they didn't have much traction other than what Eugene Lewis did uh, against the Bomber offense. So uh, uh, Anthony Calvillo's got his hands full trying to solve this dark side defense. But you can expect Montreal to try to do something. It is tough to sweep in this league, but I think that, uh, that Winnipeg's going to be... Um, are better prepared tonight, necessarily, than they were last week.
0: Uh, Ed, the, uh, the kicking game has been a, you know, a, a topic for the last couple of years. And Legio had that great start, sort of fell off in the second half of the BC game and the following game. But um, I, from my perspective, he has been uh, very impactful over the course of the last couple of games. And, you know, for a young player, I mean, it's pro sports, you, your best game has to be your next game. Um, but where would you say the confidence level is in the job that Legio is doing for both punting and kicking now that we're into the second half of the season.
2: It is get The confidence level is growing by with every kick for him. You know, he's kicking at 90 over 90% second best in the league on his field goal tries. Look, it's tough to replace. We've seen it with Brady Oliveira. It's tough to replace a future hall of famer. And Justin Medlock's going to the hall of fame. I talked to Paul Boudreaux, the special teams coach this week. And, you know, when the bombers drafted Mark Leggio, they thought they would have a year of him learning uh, under Justin Medlock, and then the pandemic hit, and that was lost. Um, so, I, you know, I don't. I think that uh, Leggio needed that that year last year. Maybe the struggles helped him kind of lock in, focus, get his routine, because it's different in the pros and in college, right? Um, and he's done a really good job. And one of the things that it's really getting better. It's you know, it's for him. It's all about putting the ball between the uprights, but his punting is getting an awful lot better. We saw that was a critical, some critical kicks last week in the win over Montreal where he put it inside the 10 yard line. And then the Montreal returner Newman made that one horrible mistake to bring it out. And they got trapped deep in their own end. But um, his punting his directional punting is getting a lot better. And I think the confidence level in him is growing and growing and growing. Now, Those things grow exponentially when you hit a game winner, right? With no time on the clock. And if it's over 40 yards and that's the kind of kick that gets the whole bench, uh, you know, leaving the sidelines to lift the guy up on their their shoulders. So we haven't seen an awful lot of that with Mark Leggio, but, I think uh, as he gets more and more consistent, they won't be afraid to trot him out there for some of those long ones if they get in those kind of circumstances.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the punting because on a team like this with the defense the way they have, I mean, that is so important. I mean, the the ability to say, oh, no problem, we'll give you the ball, but you're going to be starting way deep in your own end. And more often than not, the Bombers are getting the ball back quite quickly afterwards. And, you know, we focus on the big kicks, the points, the winning and losing of the games. But there's so much that goes into that job. And I think Lego is really doing a good job. Hey, Ed, before we go, I've got a couple people asking. You mentioned Brandon Alexander, who was doing some sprinting, which is great. Um, how optimistic are they on BA as well as Couture uh, as potential returns in the second half of the season?
2: I talked to both those guys just casually this week. Um, I think that Brandon Alexander, we're probably looking at uh, Banjo Bowl or around that for his return. I'm not sure about Michael Couture yet. He had, you know, he's got a uh, almost a brace on his one arm. Um, he had Neither one is practicing yet. That's always the sign, right? When they get back on the field and they've got shoulder pads and helmets on, that's the sign that they're close. So, um, you know, it, they're coming along. Let's put it that way. And and while we had the chance, we should probably salute Chris Kolonkowski for the work he's done. Replacing I was just going to ask you about yeah. him.
0: I mean, I'll be honest. I wasn't even familiar with him, uh, you know, at training camp going into the season. And, you know, we started to see him on the chart. Stanley Bryant talked about him on the program, how impressed they've been and how well he's sort of fit in, and in, in this group. Um, because as established as they've been, you know, injuries will come up. And, I mean, he has absolutely acquitted himself well. And it seems like the O-line as a group has really gelled and is playing their best football of the season.
2: Yeah, so Zach Caleros raves about Kolonkowski because of his the homework he does. And the center's got to make all the calls on what they're seeing. Uh, he's kind of a brawler, right? He's just a guy that battles up there. Um, and he fits the the O-line group so perfectly. Uh, he he has really done a, a good job and i know what you mean huss when the season started not a lot of people knew about this guy um but he's been solid he he dressed last year when uh two eli uh, was the one guy that wasn't getting vaccinated so he got into the lineup and he's there's something about him he's just uh he's a brawler and then you know the bombers are essentially on their third different safety now because ba's been out you had Malcolm Thompson come in and do a pretty good job. And now Nick Hallett's uh, done a really good job in in replacing Thompson. So it, it just shows you the depth. And sometimes you don't always get it right. But, man, you look at the the guys that, that come into the lineup and make contributions. Agadoski. I mean, last week, Ricky Walker, the defensive tackle, was mo- a monster. He'd been sitting on the sidelines for a few weeks. So um, this is one of the deepest teams I've ever covered. And I've been around this bunch for quite a while. So uh, it's it's just cool to see guys like Kolonkowski who wait so long get in there and make something happen.
0: Eddie, uh, let's uh, get ready for tonight. A Princess Auto Tail Kickoff's off seven thirty. Yes, sir. Seven thirty kickoff. Princess Auto Tailgate Zone will be getting going a couple hours beforehand. Uh, we'll have some uh, five dollar beers, some three fifty hot dogs, pop prizes from the Princess Auto crew. TJ Finessa be spinning. So the pregame's taken care of. Uh, And then you mentioned Military Night, the flyover kickoff. And um, I mean, from the sounds of it right now, Ed, I mean, we're going to have one of the best home crowds really since IGF opened. And I got to say, I think the atmosphere for this club, the excitement about it, what they've done so far is going to be felt tonight. And this is going to show very well for our city and our team tonight, coast to coast on the tube.
2: Yeah, I know. I've got some relatives and friends that sometimes watch a game on TV that aren't in Winnipeg and they say, boy, they announced the crowd at 28 They sure didn't look like 28. And they say, well, yeah, you got to pull a camera out and look at the rum hut and look at that end. And when we, like, they don't mess around with the attendance here. It's not an announced crowd. It's what comes through the turnstiles. And, um, it's just, I tell you, I tell you what, if you haven't been, you got to get down here to experience it once. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. And when it's like this, the weather's perfect. Uh, you don't have to wear 19 layers <laughs> to stay alive. So, um, get down here and, tr- and check it out it's it's going to be a lot of fun to, again the 50-50 part pot stop starts at 100 grand so um, there's a lot of little side stuff that's going to make this fun even beyond the game itself
0: Well, and you mentioned, um, you know, folks coming out and just trying a game for the first time. I had a feeling that there was a lot of people in that situation at the Calgary game on the 15th Mm -hmm. of July. And I think that night was so much fun and the game was that good that a lot of those people are coming back for this game tonight. And I cannot wait for it. Ed, thanks so much for the time. Good luck to the squad. And hopefully the next time you're on with us, we'll be talking about double digits in the win column and a big fat zero in the loss column.
2: Right on. Sounds good. Huss, thanks for having me on. Have a good day. Enjoy it tonight,
0: people. You got it. Cannot wait. There it is. Ed Tate, bluebombers.com. Check out all the great coverage post-game at bluebombers.com. And of course, tomorrow with all of Ed's work heading into the uh, bye week, coming out of the 10th game of the season for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right. We're going to hook up with Weber coming up in just a couple of minutes, but uh, we'll be, I'm not sure if it'll be too, too hot today, but certainly... We need to be hydrated, folks. I know you're going to be having a few pops tonight at the game. And uh, when we think of hydration, water, you think Culligan here in Winnipeg. 65 years as a family-run business serving Winnipeg and southern Manitoba with water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems and citywide water delivery services, not to mention commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether you need it for the home, your cottage, or the office, Culligan is there for you. 1200 Sergeant Avenue, six nine four fifty one eighty, and online at drinkculligan.com. Well, as you can see, the new jerseys are on tonight for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. If you're heading to the game, heading down Pembina, and you realize, geez, maybe I need to spice up the blue in my wardrobe hit royal sports 750 pemina highway the number one spot for licensed team merchandise for uh, whatever team you're looking for bombers jets or your favorite team from around all the major professional leagues and while you're there check out the massive million dollar hockey inventory the bikes that continue to come in by the week soccer softball baseball fitness shoes Disc golf, even they've got it all at Royal Sports, and of course all the cool stuff on the King's Skate, Snow, and Surf side as well. Seven fifty, Pemina Highway. Follow them on Insta at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. I know the Knot Gangs fired up for the game. We had Milt Stiegel and Knot Ambassador for many years, on the program earlier this week, and uh, they will be representing tonight. I'm sure in the uh, in the loge. not Autocorp, big sponsors the Bombers, but also. The place to start any search for a new vehicle here in Manitoba. Why not get into the Car of Your Dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Pop down and see him, Waverly and McGillivray or check them out online at knot.ca. And hey, if you're tailgating in the parking lot or with some friends beforehand, what could make a night better? Than a few 1919s from Little Brown Jug. That being said, they've got all sorts of summer beers, and the beers right now are on tap as well at Craft Beer Corner at the ballpark for the Winnipeg Goldeyes who are home this weekend. So uh, add a little Little Brown Jug to the weekend. Thank me later. Check them out at the uh, uh, spot downtown in the exchange, the Brewery and Tap House on William Avenue, which, by the way, will be the spot where we do our first sports trivia night with Winnipeg Sports Talk and Little Brown Jug on September 1st. Save the date. Next week, I'll have information for you, how you can reserve your spots. We're going to do an event great group. Uh, you'll be able to get tickets, and essentially each ticket, the cost of it will just basically be your first beer. Uh, but with numbers, we're thinking there'll be a lot of people that are into this. We just want to make sure we've got everyone taken care of and accounted for so we can max out the building. So September 1st, Little Brown Jug, I'll be hosting. Cannot wait for that. And I also can't wait for an LBJ before the game tonight. All right. Still to come, your chance to win some tickets to the game. Uh, We're also going to be talking a little tennis. Big night last night with Serena Williams. Um, finishing up her time north of the border as she got bounced from the event. Um, but we're going to hook up with Kenny Weeb right now in Las Vegas. This time via the phone, not the usual video call, although Ken has notoriously had uh, some great walk-alongs with us when he's been on the road and joining us. Uh, but we're going to be giving him a call the old-fashioned way on the, before- uh, on the horn. Well, apparently he's blowing us off right now, folks. We just got Ken's message. Um, I'm not sure. Remo, you can come in. I'll take people behind the scenes. Ken is in Vegas, although he said, no, no, definitely in for the show today. But according to the CTO, uh, Weave's world, a little difficult today. We're having a tough time getting him. Where is he? He's out for breakfast right now. I'm not sure. You know, Ken's a pretty straight shooter, but this has uh, maybe a late night in Vegas written all over it, I can't help but be quite suspicious.
1: I've been texting Ken. He said, okay, I can do 150. No, I can do, has to be later. Oh, no, no, I can do 150. So I've been just texting with him back and forth. And then I crashed I crashed the uh, stream. I was texting uh, him, so I messed <laughs> up during Ed, but here, let I'm, me I'm just call him. He says he's ready now. So, I got oh, to figure it out. Oh, okay.
0: Okay, excellent. We'll try to uh we'll try to get him uh, get him in there as well. Listen, while we do that, um quick a uh, couple news and notes from the World Junior Hockey Championship. Right now, end of the first Czechia to Finland 1. Later on today, it's Canada against Slovakia. And then the USA versus Switzerland later on tonight. Oh, if this isn't the world traveler, Ken <laughs> Weeb joining us live on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, geez, I guess on the phone today, uh, we weren't going to get a walking tour of Las Vegas. Uh, actually, nothing could top, top you walking to Orlando for a haircut during the Stanley Cup final. So I <laughs> guess we have it. How, how are things there? What's going on?
3: Huss, uh, great to be with you. Uh, sorry for the shakeup. Apparently, I have trouble with the both the Pacific time zone and managing my own schedule. So, uh, I thought it would be poolside currently in Vegas, but uh, it's time for brunch at uh, Hash House A Go Go here. So, uh, my apologies for not having the uh, photo up. But uh, you know, I've been driving. I've been driving around Vegas on the guest bus for the last couple of days here. So, uh, hope, yes. I hope that our listeners and viewers can bear with us.
0: Yeah. Well, as long as as long as you're not taking Gus to Vegas, uh, that's fine. And I will say, uh, while we were trying to get you on, all of this time switch and trying to get it, I was somewhat skeptical because let's face it, this had an extremely late night in Vegas written all over it. However, you sound to be very astute, very together. So that's um, obviously that was not the case. All that being said, can I do want to get to
3: have to say how quick one quick one we were at uh, nine fine irishmen yesterday I, I, I would say i made curfew but it was uh, after 1 a.m so uh, we had a great <laughs> dinner uh, stacy's youngest sister uh, and husband were celebrating their ninth anniversary so it was a uh, beautiful steak dinner at stk at the cosmopolitan and followed up by uh, a great irish house band at nine fine irishmen inside new york new york so uh, a nice little tour. The, the golf tour took a, d- took a deep breath for Vegas after the uh, ball trip, and uh, yeah, it's been great. Uh, even uh, even caught up with the sheriff yesterday, so it was a very productive trip here.
0: Beautiful. Well, listen, we'll talk about what's happening in Vegas because there's some big news in the National Hockey League out of there right now. But uh, you mentioned the Gus Bus, uh, David Gustafson re ups a two-year deal um, at seven seventy-five. I mean, I think some real possibility to have some yeah. massive value for the team, especially in year two. And, of course, Mason Appleton avoiding arbitration with that three-year deal. Had a great conversation with Mason yesterday. He seems fired up. But um, the RFA business is done for Kevin off right now. First things first, what did you make of the two signings?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think we we were talking about the the Jets needing more from the bottom six and that complementary offensive role. Uh, I think Mason Appleton is a guy that can provide, you know, double digits in goals again next year. Uh, obviously his numbers were a bit down last year uh, in the combined season, with Seattle and Winnipeg, but uh, I do expect Mason to get back. I mean, I'm not sure if it's going to be an 18 goal pace, like when he had the 12 goals in 56 games, but I expect him to be a double digit guy. I think that he and Adam, uh, Adam Lowry, had great chemistry. Yes. In the one season that season specifically that I referenced, but uh, I think the biggest thing for me with that line has, is that they lacked an identity last year. So to me, Right out of the gate, no matter who's playing on the left side, whether it's Morgan Barron, whether it's Jansen Harkins, whether it's someone like Sonny Milano that gets picked up as a free agent or via trade, that line will have a distinct identity. I think they'll be looking for more of a natural finisher to complement those guys. Uh, you know, All the guys that I mentioned would fit that role. Uh, but Appleton is a smart addition. At, at that number, you bought two years of unrestricted free agency. Yes, some people are like, oh, well, it's $2 million. Well, hey... <laughs> It's a, it could be a value contract if he's a double-digit guy. If he, if he ends up being a fourth-line player, well, then you overpaid slightly. But to me, Mason Appleton never wanted to be, leave Huss and the Jets never wanted to have him leave. So to have him locked up for three years and buying two years of UFA status after seeing how it transpired with Andrew Kopp, who was a guy that was a homegrown talent, I think that was important. I mean, Appleton is a sixth-round pick who is a hit. I mean, this is a guy who's become an NHL regular as a late bloomer. So uh, taking care of that right out of the gate, I mean, do I expect Mason Apple to be on the second power play like he was at times? No, but he could fill in, in that role if if necessary. Uh, In terms of Gustafson to me, us, you know, I've been driving the bus for a long time Uh, at minimum. He's the Jets fourth line center next year. And maybe he's the kind of guy, if they're going to use the Lowry line as a distinct shutdown role, which I am not necessarily saying they would, I could see Gustafson moving to the wing with those two guys that we mentioned as well. But as of right now, I would expect he's the fourth line center. And again, Guston's not a fourth line center. That's not his ceiling. That's how he's going to break into the NHL, but that's where he will get his feet wet. But to me, I think that eventually he can be a, you know, middle six kind of player that can also provide kind of double digits in offense. And think about Gustin that we know us, he makes the guys around him better. So he want, he may not have eye popping offensive numbers, but he can score and he can distribute the puck. And he's incredibly conscientious defensively. And for a team that needs better penalty killing, Both Gustafson and Appleton
0: will fill those roles admirably. Ken, let me ask you, uh, I mean, it's pretty clear right now, at least the way the roster looks as of today, that there's a a very clear delineation between the top six and the bottom six. Um, You know, you've got Shifley-Dubois, Connor Ehlers, Perfetti-Wheeler in that top six, and then, you know, presumably Appleton along with Lowry sort of anchoring that third line we've talked for a long time that at some point, if Blake Wheeler plays throughout his contract, you know, there might be some less minutes or maybe a reduced role in the hierarchy of it. But right now there doesn't seem to be anyone knocking on the door. My question for you though, is with Appleton's penchant for being very good on the forecheck and puck retrieval in the offensive zone, might there be a spot if they wanted to sort of balance the lines a little bit more for a fit with Mason Appleton on one of those top two lines as a guy that's, Almost more of a digger to get the puck to some of those players that you know have a little bit more offensive pop, but doing it in the offensive zone. In your mind,
3: yeah. I mean, it's, it's also it's always possible, and I didn't think at some point during the three-year contract, you could see that. I don't see that as being the case out of the gate. Like I said, I mean, the Jets' line, third line, lacked an identity. You know, let's look at Rick Bonus's history with Radic Foxa. His line was the distinct checking line. So to me, Appleton and Lowry represent two thirds of the checking line. I mean, I do expect there to be some offense to their left, but, uh, and at some point, could you see it? Of course, but this is the thing. I mean, it, I don't, I don't agree with the, with the crowd that says Adam Lowry should be your fourth line center because Lowry has produced double digits and goals four times. I mean, does he need to get his point totals up to be, you know, considered more of a third line player? Sure. But I think it's more about what that line gives up than what they get, but they're also going to need to have at least two of those guys on the line will need to be double digit goal scorers. And if all three are double digit goal scorers, then they're already going to have their own balance from that in it, in itself. But I mean, if the Jets signed Evan Rodriguez per se, uh, then there could be a possibility that there's a little bit more of an even distribution of the ice time. So uh, I, I, I understand people are, you know, pretty set that some people only see Adam Lowry as a checker. Uh, we know he had a, Low half, first half last year. There's no doubt about that. The numbers back that up. But I mean, Adam Lauer had a really good second half, us, huh? so and he still ended up. He, was, like, awesome the, he was, was awesome after the. He was awesome
0: after the All Star break.
3: Right. So for me, if you get you know if you get two seasons like that from Adam Lauer, I'm not saying he's going to be a 20 goal guy, but he could easily be a 15 goal guy. And if he's a 15 goal, 40 plus point guy, then you're already getting that. I, I just I can't say this. I, I am screaming from the top of the mountaintop. Adam Lowry is not going to be a fourth line player for the Olympic Jets. They did not make that investment in him long-term to be that he's far more valuable than just playing fourth line minutes at nine to 11 minutes. I mean, that's just not going to happen. So uh, could there be, there be more of a balance like there was in uh, the 2018 run for sure. But I would even say them too, us. I mean, for the people saying that Adam Lowry's line was the fourth line in that in that playoff, that's not accurate. They were the third line. And Brian Little was down to the fourth line in terms of the minute distribution. So to me, uh, Adam, I not going back to be a fourth line player uh, throughout the duration of his contract. Do his, will his minutes be adjusted somewhat if they can add another centerman? I mean, or if Gustafson pushes uh, in terms of needing more minutes for sure. But um, I just, I don't think it's necessarily going to be top six, bottom six, but I don't know that there will be as much juggling as some people would like, but that's not to say that Rick bonus isn't going to try new things. I mean, part of the reason he was brought in was to try new things and to, and to shift some of the minutes around and, and to reduce Blake Wheeler's minutes somewhat. And that's not to say Blake can't be a contributor if he's still here, but I, I don't, I don't think we're going to see Blake Wheeler rolling at 22 minutes a night. So uh, that will, that will provide some of the balance that you talked about, but in terms of the you know distinct top six, bottom six, I mean, that's, that will still remain to be seen. I'm very curious to see how training camp goes and, you know, maybe there's a surprise in training camp. Maybe there's a guy on a PTO, maybe the, uh, the finish guy that they signed can, can be more of a player than we anticipate because he hasn't been in the NHL in three or four years. So, and I also think too, Huss, I, I, I cannot be more clear on this message. I think the Jets will still be making a move or two before training camp. I mean, especially on the back end that still has not been you know taken care of. And I expect that it will always coming back the other way. Who knows? But uh, I still think that there will be some tinkering to be done with the roster. I'm not saying it will be major surgery, but I'm thinking that the roster today will not look the same as it does on September 19th or whatever the date is.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I hope you're right on that. I mean, I think there's obvious, you know, we've been talking about a number of things that you know you would hope that this team would be able to accomplish throughout the offseason that haven't hasn't happened yet. Um, do you think it's more likely that the Jets add to their forward group via using some of their funds for remaining unrestricted free agents, Ken? Or is it more likely that now they've got their RFA set and they pretty much know where they are salary-wise? They use some of the salary cap space um, to take advantage of a team that is in a real bind when it comes to the cap, and there's plenty of those teams right now.
3: Well for sure, Huston. I mean, the, the domino effect here is a real thing, right? So, you know, depending on what happens with Naz and Kadri, if that if that Islanders deal does come to fruition and if it does come in around $7 million number, well, now you look at the Islanders as having a little bit you know, <laughs> their glut or their excess will be at the forward position. So what does that mean for Josh Bailey? What does that mean for Anthony Bavillier, guys of that nature? Uh, you know, maybe they're on the move at some point. I mean, look what happened with Carolina. They thought they were getting a 40-goal score in Max Pacioretty. Now he's basically done for you know, either the majority of the season or the entire season after the torn Achilles. So uh, there are still teams that uh, – here's the thing. The staring contest is on in full force. Uh, it's tough to determine who's going to be the winner because we have a lot of people kind of in a holding pattern uh, when it comes to their rosters. But the the biggest thing for me, we still don't know which of those teams are going to be cap-sealing teams. We expect the Jets to be a cap-sealing team. That's what Kevin Shevoldev has has made clear. Uh, But is it possible the Jets want to save some of that space for down the road? Sure, it's possible. But to me, even though they believe in their core, I think that money is better served being used on a player that can help them from game one rather than waiting till game 40 or 50. Uh, But I mean, again, they may have some plans to try to promote from within that we are unaware of. So uh, I still think they're going to look at at, at signing one of those bargain or value free agents or look at a trade. Like you said, I mean, there's a lot of teams that want to reduce salary and right now salary, salary cap space is King in the NHL. And there's a bunch of teams that wish they had more of it. And right now the jets are not an LTIR like they have in the last couple of seasons and they have the flexibility to add and and make some maneuvers, but it's going to take a little bit of creativity, but that's what I say. I I think there's still a move to come and it will probably be one of those moves that involves the creativity, how big a move that is. I mean, remains to be seen, but uh, I'm still expecting there to be
0: some movement here before training camp. Yeah. You know, the more I look at this, I mean, with the fact that the glut on the blue line hasn't been, um, hasn't been addressed. I, I, I can't help but think, Ken, that one of those defensemen could be on the move to a team and in return comes a forward back that very highly likely probably makes more money than the defenseman that they just traded. You've got a little bit of a hit to the cap space in that trade. A team maybe gets a little bit of cap relief in it, but the Jets are getting a player at a position that they have far bigger needs out, and that, of course, is up front as opposed to what's happening on defense.
3: Oh, bang on, how I mean, too, I, I mentioned the Islanders. This is one example. I'm not saying that the Jets are actively in talks with the Islanders, but, I mean, let's let's connect the dots here. So, if if the Islanders are looking at Kadri at around $7 million, I mean, Scott Mayfield, I think, is a year away from unrestricted free agency. I mean, would a guy like Dylan DeMello or a guy like Brendan Dillon make some sense? And if Josh Bailey is going back the other way, I think Josh Bailey's a $5 million player in terms of his AAV. So, both of those defensemen I mentioned earlier are at 3 and. So that would represent some relief. I don't know if it's enough relief for them, but that's the kind of deal we would be talking about. I mean, to me, it it reminds me of the you know I know people were up in arms, but the year when the Jets were actively involved in discussions with Carolina when Nikolai Ehlers' name came up, the reason obviously it didn't happen, and for good reason. But when you're looking at a guy like Brett Pesci who made less money and had term, I mean, that's the kind of deal that you would be looking at. Uh, I mean, obviously the Jets are thrilled they did not make that move, but Um, those are the kind of deals that would be on the table. But the thing is most of those contending teams don't have a player that they're trying to get rid of in order to shed salary. But in a lot of cases, they may not, may not have a choice. So, uh, but how, how close are you pushed against the wall and when do you have to make that move? I mean, like I said, that that's where we're at with the steering contest portion. I mean, a lot of teams are saying, well, no, my player is worth this. And the other team is saying, well, no, you don't have any room for that player. So he's worth this. So uh, right now, I think you got a bunch of GMs that are are wanting to make moves that have sort of uh, resisted the urge so far. But I mean, injuries happen and and other things happen. So, like I said, I, I, even though the calendar is not quite back on schedule and we're getting closer, I'm still expecting there to be you know, it's not a, a quiet quiet August. I think there's going to be some action happening. Whether it's not you know this month, it'll be early in September. I still think a bunch of teams need to do a bunch of get a bunch of business done, and, and the Jets I think are one of those teams.
0: Uh, Ken Weeb with us from Vegas, where he is gallivanting and continuing the summer of Kenny. Um, Speaking of Vegas, I- I'm sure you're aware, Robin Lehner out for the season for the Vegas Golden Knights. It's somewhat incredible, Ken, that this team went from arguably the best goaltending tandem in the league to now Logan Thompson, Loren Brassois and Michael Hutchinson. Um, I know this is sort of, Late breaking news, but what what do you think this does to Vegas, both in the short term going into the season and their chances of contending once again next year if they don't add to that position?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, having Mark Andre Fleury and Leonard, Leonard was a, was a big benefit for them. I mean, and they talked about the need. For, you know, Kelly McCrimmon's talked about the need for a long time about having a goalie split that is important. Uh, to me, the biggest thing for the Vegas goal tonight. I'm not disregarding the goaltending position the health of Mark stone has got to be the most important thing after the back surgery. And then secondly, how Jack Eichel, now that he's got his you know sea legs underneath him after having the spinal fusion surgery, how does he come back? I mean, Jack Eichel could be a top five, you know, point producer in the national hockey league this year. So to me, I think their offense obviously is going to get a big boost. If stone is healthy. And if Eichel is back to previous form, this is a team that defends well by nature. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously they're going to look at the positives and say, well, there's $5 million of LTIR relief coming. Uh, We know that there was some issues with the cap last year and they had to do a lot of juggling around. Didn't always have all their players available. But, Matt, Lauren Bersois, hey, he was waiting for this kind of opportunity when he was Mm -hmm. with Winnipeg Hubs, right? I mean, he had that one stretch where he got into a little bit more action than normal. Uh, If he comes back healthy, you know, the door is kind of open for him. But, I mean, Logan Thompson played well down the stretch. Logan Thompson isn't the reason the Golden Knights didn't qualify. They didn't score enough, which has been their problem, uh, you know, for the last couple of years in terms of the playoffs anyway. So, uh, you know, it's a it kind of rags to riches. CIS player becomes starting goalie story. I mean, it's a storybook kind of, this is more of an LA kind of Hollywood fairy tale uh, type of story, but I mean, the door is open for Logan Thompson here as well. I think they will probably, you know, see how it goes at the beginning. But I mean, again, we, we, what we know about the Golden Knights us, if there's an area of need, they go out and address it. And they're not afraid to take big swings. So um, I don't think they have the flexibility to go out and get a number one right now, but I mean, they're going to, you know, kind of give it the opportunity to the guys that you mentioned, the three guys that are in the system and then sort of see what happens from there. But I mean, the other thing too, well, it's in the Pacific, LA, obviously took a big, big jump last year, but in the Pacific, you're basically looking at Edmonton and Calgary, and then it's kind of a free-for-all, I would say, for that third spot. Vegas will still be a contender for that spot, I would say. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a big blow for them for sure. But uh, again, I, I think it would be it would be silly to think that they're just going to kind of curl up in a ball and, and move on. I mean, Kelly McCrimmon has some similar qualities to Brad Chaliving. I mean, they're not going to sit back in the corner and feel sorry for themselves. I mean, they're going to go out and try to make moves that make the team better and yeah, and the reason why they made the move for Eichel was not just a three-month deal. I mean, they went out and got Eichel because they expect to be a Stanley Cup contender for the next, you know, four or five seasons. So uh, I would expect them to still be a very competitive team. And if, if they need more in net, they're going to go out and get it.
0: Weaver, great stuff. Hey, um, I, I've got a, a, a suggestion for you to make this trip even better. Reach into your okay. pocket, grab your stack, you might even want to reach over into Stacy's purse since she what she's got kicking around and then walk into the sports book and slam it on the bombers tonight to go 10 and 0. You're going to miss it. You're going to okay, miss quite that's... a scene here tonight. 30,000 plus and a team going to uh looking to remain undefeated.
3: Oh, I know, Hussein. I mean, I'm already uh, I've already got plans in motion to be at the August 25th game. Uh, I'm looking forward to that very much and, and uh definitely the the flight time is not very conducive to uh, checking in on the game tonight. With the, but I'll definitely have my eyes open until that flight, until the bird gets up in the air. That's for sure.
0: Hey, listen. Uh, have a great rest of the trip. Uh, say hi to the gang there, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you when you uh, get back here. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll have a little more Jets news after a very quiet week, other than a couple signings to get to coming up next week. Because as you mentioned, still a few things on the to-do list heading into the year.
3: Absolutely. Huss. Have a great time at the game tonight. and uh, We'll talk to you soon, my
0: man. Thanks again. Right on. Thanks so much. There's Kenny Weave at World on Twitter. Cheers. Kind enough to join us from Sin City, where um, he's continuing gallivanting as he's been doing throughout the summer. But uh, always great to have Kenny on the program. Uh, Brandon normally joins us today. Swap the guys out, so Rewiki will be on tomorrow. We'll talk more NHL. Certainly, I'm sure Brandon will be at or watching the game tonight when we get to all of that. We are going to talk a little tennis And then we're going to have a chance to win some tickets to tonight's game. Um, But before we do that, Princess Auto, as I mentioned, talking with Ed, proud sponsors of WST and very proud sponsors of the Bombers, welcomes all Bomber fans to the Princess Auto tailgate party beginning 5.30 p.m. outside of the stadium. Cheap beers, hot dogs, pop, DJ Finesse spinning, prizes from Princess Auto Get there early, folks, and make the most of game day at the Princess Auto Tailgate Party. And, of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find uh, the best selection and unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new. Is it Princess Auto, two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, great spot to watch the game if you're not able to get down to IG Field tonight. <clears throat> of course, it's Boston Pizza. Check out their great new summer menu, special summer drinks, carnitas, pizzas, and tacos. Pizza flights are back. And if you are staying home and watching the game, and my boy Dustin Nielsen calling it on TSN, check out Boston Pizza's game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. And as I mentioned before, do not forget today. Is Miracle Treat Day at Dairy Queen? Our great friends of uh, at Nick and Nikki with their four locations: DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, DQ Saint Anne's are waiting for you, as well as all other Dairy Queens. All proceeds from every Blizzard sold go to Children's Miracle Network and the Children's Hospital of Manitoba. One hundred percent of the funds stay in Manitoba. And last year. Their group of DQs built and funded a new EKG stress room at the Children's Hospital. So the money really does go directly to great use. As if you needed another reason to go get on a blizzard with Nick and Nikki, Great support from uh, from them for us and obviously this great endeavor. All right. We uh, will have an opportunity to get to the game tonight with our friends at Canadian Club coming up in a few minutes. So don't go anywhere. Uh, But what a night it was last night. At the National Bank Open, Serena Williams bowing out but being celebrated for her incredible career. And Bianca Andre on the comeback trail with a big win. Now let's check up right now on what's happening both in Toronto and Montreal. And when we talk tennis, we do it with our good friend, John Horn. John, what's going on? How are you?
4: What's going on, guys? I really enjoy the fish in your background there. I have to say on the screen, it's uh, it's a nice touch for the summer.
0: You know what? It's uh, the, the the we just couldn't keep the fire going all uh
4: all summer long. So we, uh, we <laughs> I got I, I I can't I can't offer that. See the TV over here somewhere over here. I got nothing. I got nothing. Sorry. Right. Um, let's get into it. I mean,
0: always it's a huge week for tennis in the country, and tennis has mm-hmm. grown so much over the final over the last few years with the talented young players um so here we are with the national bank open um and we'll talk about the canadians and we'll talk about the players that are still remaining but be kind of hard not to start off this conversation without discussing serena williams announcement that um what is it she's evolving from the game i think most people yeah, prefer that to, as retiring yep. uh, at the end of the u.s open Bounced from the tournament last night but what a scene on center court as the uh, appreciation of canadian tennis fans uh was was there for all display. And it seemed like it was a pretty emotional time for Serena as well.
4: Yeah, I did have a bit of a chuckle because, uh, as you just said, uh, not retiring, evolving into the new part of her career. And then I also had a laugh when, uh, and this is something that's well-known in the media circles, at least, is that she doesn't celebrate birthdays either. So then I found it quite amusing that they got her and her daughter something for their birthdays. And then she announces that she doesn't celebrate birthdays. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, I mean... uh, Look, Serena Williams has had an outstanding career. Uh, she's done everything that you could possibly imagine in tennis. She's won gold medals in Olympics. She's won doubles titles, Grand Slams, 23 of them, uh, multiple titles overall. Um, you know, almost $100 million in earnings just on court, millions of dollars, uh, probably double that what she's made off the court. She's always on the Forbes' highest paid uh, athletes list. Um, but more importantly, I think she's done a lot for women's sports. And I think in this day and age, you know, having role models for women and girls to look up to um, is certainly a big, big deal. And the fact that, uh, you know, she's not, you know, your average uh, woman who, you know, who grew up in a country club lifestyle, which is what a lot of people think of tennis uh, as uh, similar to what Tiger Woods did in golf. Um, you know, a lot of people always looked at golf as this sort of, you know, elite sport that only people could play with money. And Tiger sort of came along and sort of changed that narrative. And Serena Williams and Venus Williams have come and changed that narrative. That, you know, if you come from a Uh, you know, a downtrodden uh, area in Compton, California, and you're a person of color. And, um, you know, you have to deal with, you know, deal with gangs who are harassing you while you're playing tennis um, and harassing your father, beating up your father and that sort of thing. Um, You know, what kind of influence is that on kids who are in that same situation or who come from you know, backgrounds, they're not as good as what everybody else had it. So uh, she's a great role model for kids. She's a great model for other tennis players. Her work ethic over the years has been, has been excellent. Um, you know, she, it's, it's, it's kind of neat that she's been able to do it with her older sister and kind of Venus kind of really goes under the radar. I mean, she's had a pretty good career too. And um, you know, when you talk about the Williams sisters, really, now it's more about Serena than it is about Venus. So, um, you know, obviously I think it's time for her to, to call it a career. She's not playing full time. Uh, she's obviously not as fit as she once was and she's older the players are younger uh, but she's still out there battling and you know she went three sets at Wimbledon almost three hours uh, might have been three hours uh, she won her first round match uh, here in uh, Toronto um, so I think it's you know the fact that she's able to 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 still play and still want to go out there and play um, I was definitely caught off guard when she decided to suddenly come back because she hadn't played for so long and then suddenly oh she's gonna be playing Wimbledon and I was like well wow, that's kind of weird and she, she played a tune-up uh, in doubles, and then she played Wimbledon. And uh, I kind of had a feeling that maybe the reason she came back quickly was because maybe she was going to call it a career at the end of this year or maybe at the Australian Open next year. Uh, but then when she announced in her article that she's evolving into retirement um, after the U.S. Open – um, it kind of made sense why she came back so suddenly and so quickly so uh good on her for a great career great role model uh arguably the greatest women's sports athlete of all time um and i think uh you know she's obviously done a lot for the game and a lot for sports and she'll go down as one of the greatest of all time uh, in any sport man or wife. well,
0: no doubt and honestly one of the greatest most dominant athletes in their particular sport i mean uh, certainly in uh, in my lifetime um you know, sort of similar to what's happened this week, but now that she's been out, we'll sort of more focus on the quarters and the semis and the, you know, the finals. But really, the first couple of days of this tournament, and certainly what we saw last night, has been all about Serena, her greatness, and the last opportunity to see her. And I imagine that is just going to be ramped up exponentially once they get to uh, to Queens for, uh, for the U.S. Open.
4: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, it, it's good and it's bad in some ways. It's good because she obviously deserves all the accolades for everything that she's done and there should be a big send-off and the crowd is appreciative of her and you know, it, w- when you're, you know, in our age bracket for example, she's been around essentially since we were just out of the teenager. I mean, she started in in the year 2000. I mean, that the, some people were in their teenage years. They've grown up with her. They've had kids. Uh they've You know, a lot has happened from the day that they started playing tennis to now retiring. It's been it's been a lot of years. So, um, you know, it's 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 definitely deserving. The only thing I would say is that the unfortunate part about it is and this is kind of like the men's tournament as well, is that, you know, when Nadal said that he pulled out of the men's, um, it was like, oh, Nadal's out of the men's. This is going to suck now because, you know, Federer is not there. Djokovic is not there. And now Nadal's not there. Uh, it's not good for the tournament. Well, eventually it's going to be like that. Like all three of those guys are going to retire. Two of them probably are going to retire sooner rather than later. So you're going to have to get used to seeing other players. And the one thing that Serena playing, it's, it's nice to have her and that she obviously deserves everything she gets. But then it kind of takes away from the rest of the tournament because it's like you said, all the talk has been on Serena playing, and then she announces that she's leaving the sport for the most part, and then that becomes the topic, and you kind of forget that. Oh, by the way, Igor Swiatek, the number one player in the world, who won thirty-seven straight matches at one point. Yes, yeah, she's playing in this tournament, and so are you know a bunch of other good players. Uh, you know, whether it's Sabalenka, Coco, Goff um jesse bagula uh maria Zachary, you and know, there's a lot of good good players in the in the draw um you know who kind of go under the radar now because it's all been talking about serena so now the serena thing is done uh in canada and now everyone can start focusing on on the other players and especially bianca Andreescu because she's in the third round she's won a couple of matches now
0: well i wanted to get to bianca i mean uh, you know once uh, the pomp and circumstance was finished for uh, serena um, it was time for BB to take the court and, um, you know, she beat a seeded player in the first round, another big win last night and looked great on the court. I mean, this is a woman that, you know, I remember John when she started off and had that breakthrough, I want to say at Indian Wells and we saw how good she could be at the U S open when she went all the way. And then the last couple of years, she has been, you know, really hampered by injuries, but I got to tell you last night, she looked like she had the game. She looked like she had the fitness. Um this has got to be great for someone that's really been somewhat star-crossed for the last couple of years.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, the big thing with her is that she's got such a good all-around game, and I think that's what makes her so dangerous. And we were actually talking about it on one of the broadcasts last night. Is that you know she has such a strong game in terms of she can go to the baseline and hit with the big players. She can come to the net and volley. She can throw in slice forehands and slice backhands to try and change up the pace. She can throw in a drop shot. She serves relatively well. Um, she's got all aspects of the, and she moves really well out there too. So you, she's got all aspects of the game. So if she's playing against a hard hitter like a Pliskova or a Sakari, then you know she can she can play from the baseline if she needs to. But she can also you know play it with the, some of the other tough players like the Angers, the the Kennons, um, you know the the Shiantex, the players who can take pace off themselves and you know mix the ball up as well. So. Uh, I think that that's what makes her so dangerous is that she's got such a good all-around game and that she can play, you know, she can look at her opponents and go, okay, well, this, this player hits hard. Maybe I'll throw in a few drop shots. Maybe they don't move as well. So I'll do that. Um, That's what I think makes her so dangerous. And, you know, you're right. She hasn't really been playing a lot of tennis. Uh, She came back, she started off the year missing a bunch of time and then came back. Um, She had a bit of a nagging back problem, which uh, she, she had in San Jose last week. Um, and then she, like, I guess she had a stomach issue in the first round uh, match that she ended up winning, but that seems to have cleared up. So as long as she can stay healthy, uh, there's no reason to think that she can't go deep into tournaments and get back into the top 10 in the world rankings. Because, you know, like you said last night, I mean, okay, she was playing Elise Cornet, who's actually had a really good year this year. Um, you know, she's not playing, you know, uh, Maria Sakkari or you know one of the other top players although she did beat Kazakina in the first round who who won in San Jose a couple of days before um, let's see how she does and but there's no reason to think that uh, that she can't continue you know to to rack up some wins and and, um, you know, I almost think she's playing with host money this year. I kind of feel like, you know, this year would be, okay, let's see how she does for the rest of this year. And if she does well, great. If she doesn't, that's okay. Let's see the starting point next year. Let's see how fit she is next year. Let's see how she's doing health-wise and starting off in Australia. And it could be a big year for her if she can get a ranking up and avoid some of these seeded players in the early tournament or early rounds of tournaments.
0: How, uh, how does she shape up against uh, Zhang, her Chinese opponent tonight? And what does the draw look like for Bianca if she wins this?
4: Well, she got a tough player tonight uh, in Zhang Chinwen. She's uh, 19 years old, uh, first year on the tour for the most part. Uh, big hitter, big serve. Um, you know, she she pretty much schooled uh, Angerber last night, although Angerber pulled out uh, in the second set with an abdominal injury. I don't know if that was bothering her in the first set, but Zhang's uh, got a really big, really big forehand, and and she serves big, and uh, she's six feet tall. It's not going to be an easy task. So I think Bianca, what she's going to have to do is she's going to have to go into that toolbox and look for some things to try and get Zhang off of her game and I think you'll see some drop shots I think you'll see some slice to try and change the pace a little bit uh try and get her uh to move her opponent around although Zhang moves quite well too for a tall player so uh it's not going to be it's not going to be a pushover for her I mean it's going to be it's going to be a tough task um and then after that she gets the winner of Zachary and uh, pliscolo which is a match I'm doing later today and uh, that should be a good one too Zachary's had a little bit of a rough run the last uh, few months and she got to number three in the world. And then uh, Pliskova has been hurt for a bunch of the year and hasn't really, or the first part of the year rather, and hasn't really played that well since. So, um, you know, every, every tournament is tough. There's always going to be, even if it's an unseeded player who's ranked 50th or 60th in the world, there are no pushovers. Uh, Bianca's not seated herself. So uh, you're always going to have to face the tough players and, I mean, if she gets through those two matches, then maybe semifinals against Fiontech, which would be outstanding. So uh, we'll see what happens. But certainly certainly has the game right now, uh, I feel, as long as she stays healthy, um, you know, to at least get to the semifinals of this tournament.
0: Well, wow, and we know the emotion that she plays with as well. I mean, I think uh, feeding off the crowd tonight, getting them behind her, which they certainly will be, uh, can hopefully um, keep her around in the tournament because, of course, Layla lost in the second round. Uh, but as far as the men's go, I want to talk about Felix, who's still alive, but What's up with Chapo? Um, did I see that right? He's lost nine of his last ten matches and was bounced in the first round.
4: Yeah, I think it's I think it's either eight of nine or nine of ten, one of the two. But uh, yeah, it's certainly been a rough run. Uh, he has not played very good tennis at all. Um, you know, I've I've been asked about Chapo. You know, whenever something goes wrong with one of the Canadian players, there's always concern as to you know what's really going on. Uh, I just think that, you know, he's playing the same style of game that he's been playing for the last couple of years. It's, it's the go broke style. And personally, I just, I, it doesn't work for me. I I just think that it's, it's, it's too risky. Uh, the players are too good now, uh, when it works, it's great. It looks great, but when it doesn't work and it doesn't look great at all. And it's just like, you know, when you hit one of those, when he hits one of those great one-handed backhands down the line and he jumps in the air, it's like a thing of beauty. It looks like the best shot in tennis that you'll ever see. Uh, But then sometimes you see the, you know, the big backhands that go, you know, 10 feet outside the baseline and they don't look good. Um, You know, his serve has been a big problem. He's a lot of double faults, a lot of inconsistency with the second serve. Um, You know, he's changed coaches. I thought at the beginning of the year when he had Jamie Delgado, Andy Murray's uh, old coach, that that was really going to be good for him and was going to be good stability for him. Uh, that hasn't worked out that fizzled out and they're no longer together so um, I don't know I mean it's 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 a bit of a mystery as to why he just plays so erratically and he plays you know just for the big shots all the time and I think he needs to be a lot more patient out there and get into rallies a little bit a little bit more figure out this serve problem that he's got Um, you know he does come to the net he's he's got a good volley and um sometimes he places the ball really well but the unfortunate part is if you go for the lines too much um and you try and go for too much in the right situations the good players are going to beat you and that's why you know he hasn't had much success i mean quite frankly um you know he's only been into what three finals in his career and he's only won once um you know i would say that that's an underachievement so far i think he should he should have done better with his talent uh, and what he brings to the game Um, often I get asked, you know, who's going to win a slam first. Is it going to be Dennis or Felix? And I mean, not, this is pre Dennis's poor run here. Uh, but I just think Felix's game is much better. It's, it's a lot more, um, consistent. It's a lot more, uh, it's a lot smarter. Uh, he looks a lot more composed out there. You often see Shapovalov getting irritated out there and yelling at people and yelling at his box and that sort of thing. Uh, that's not Felix's style at all. And I think that that style just works better.
0: Uh, well, speaking of Felix, uh, he'll be on the court later on today, taking on Cameron He's a slight favorite in this matchup. Um, fill us in on uh, what's to come for Felix and uh, how excited should we be about his prospects of moving on, especially after Kyrgios bounced number one seed Daniil Medvedev in a bit of a big upset.
4: Yeah, I didn't actually think that I would ever say that Kyrgios is going to be the the issue that if Felix wants to win this tournament at on-home yeah. soil, that he'd have to get past Kyrgios. So. <laughs> Uh, But that's the way it's kind of looking because Kyrgios took out Medvedev. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm actually a little surprised that Nori is the favorite in this match just because it's, you know, Felix is the higher seed and he's playing on home soil. Uh, But Nori did beat him in uh, Mexico last week. So that could be part of the reason. Um, You know, I'll take Felix in that match if I if I had to. He's beaten Nori uh, in the past before uh, before losing this match in Mexico last week. Um, I think he's a better player. I think he's got more weapons. Um, and I just, the, f- the fact he's going to have the crowd with him is going to, is going to be huge too. You 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 assume that that's going to be a motivating factor for Felix. He doesn't really seem to get frazzled by he's playing in front of home, home crowds or anything. Bianca, same thing. See, they seem to, you know, feed off of it. So um, yeah, I mean, if he, if he, if he can get through Nori, then, you know, Kyrgios could be waiting in the semis. Uh, I mean, Kyrgios is just playing some outstanding tennis right now himself and, uh, when the, the doubles and the singles in Washington coming off the Wimbledon final, uh, when the Australian Open doubles, uh, when the Atlanta doubles, He he's really, he's really, you know, done a good job of composing himself and re and finding his game. And um, I think it's a maturity thing with him. So I think that definitely he's, he's become more mature. He's 27 now. Uh, he's got a stable life Um, you know he's he's got a girlfriend travels with him full-time physio which I know has been a huge help for him uh, you know with the body Uh, he's always had these little nagging injuries that he gets throughout the year and he always says because he doesn't train hard enough well now he's training hard enough and now he's getting three-hour physio sessions after matches so um, I think it's it's a different Nick Kyrgios out there he looks leaner he looks more fit um, and I think he he's more composed out there he's still you know we still see the antics on occasion like we did at Wimbledon and you know, he, its just the way he is out there. But uh certainly, I think he—he he looks a lot more confident. Looks like he's enjoying himself out there, which is something he said in the past. He wasn't even enjoying himself. And tennis was almost a job for him. Now he seems to be taking in and enjoying the the situations, and uh, I think that's good. It's good for the sport.
0: Yeah, well, just wait five minutes with Kyrios. I mean, the guy's is uh, is mercurial uh, as maybe any athlete as we've seen, but a hell of a talent and is having a great year. Well. Fingers crossed, we'll be able to talk about Bianca and Felix heading into the weekend. John, thanks so much for doing this. And we'll look forward to uh hearing you on uh the tube coming up for the Cincinnati tournament with the world feed here in uh, Canada on Canadian television. Thanks so much. Be well and enjoy the rest of the tourney.
4: Yeah, same to you guys. Always enjoy talking tennis. And let's see if we can get a couple Canadians in the final. Why not?
0: All right, good stuff with John Horn. Always appreciate him jumping on with us. And yeah, you will be doing the uh the broadcast that i guess we'll see on tsn on the world feed from the the cincinnati tournament so we'll definitely have john on again but uh, some great tennis and obviously hoping that bianca and felix can still be kicking around in toronto and montreal respectively on the weekend um all right we have an announcement to make Um, Before we do that, though, I will remind you, uh, Rima on another good night. He's closing the gap at Assiniboia Downs. Yeah. No live racing tonight or Friday, but they're back at it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And if you want to make plans to get out to the track next week, give them a call at 885-3330. If you'd like to make a uh, a reservation in the uh, dining lounge overlooking the racetrack, check out the Prime Rib Buffet and more. Do that. Everything available for you at asdowns.com now we're going to do our cool bet lines in a second we are also going to do a little giveaway for our friends at canadian club now canadian club many of you will be going to the game even more will be going to the game in about 10 or 15 minutes after we give some tickets away and we'll let you know how we're going to do that uh but if you haven't already tried the great taste of summer they're ready to drink canadian club and ginger ale it is go time for that tonight at the game. Try it out. It's available throughout IG feel as well as all the great beam summatory products featuring Canadian club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg blue bombers. Uh, and if you're looking to, you know, maybe grab a six pack of something to tailgate with before pop by your local beer store to check out the new CC and ginger. All right, let's get Remus back in here because a couple things, first things first, um, Thank you to everyone for supporting Winnipeg Sports Talk, especially through the summer, which is normally a quieter time. It has not been that way for us. It seems the floor for the show is so much higher than it was when, you know, even a year ago right now. But Remo, official thanks to everyone. We just got over 8,000 subscribers on YouTube. And um, man, it wasn't that long ago where we hit 7K. So it's been just amazing how many people that have actually found the channel over the course of the month.
1: Yeah, it's been a couple... Yeah, I, I remember the big celebration we had when we hit 69-69. That was really nice, but 8,000, <laughs> way, way nicer, way nicer. Um, March to 10K is definitely on. And 8K, I'm feeling pretty jacked about it here. I'll go to our channel. And if you're a podcast listener, go hit the sub if you're here and... You're one of the 40% of the people that aren't subbed according to uh, YouTube analytics.
0: Analytics? What?
1: Yeah. How crazy is Free? that? It's
0: easy. Bang. Get to YouTube. It'll be right there for you.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they don't have an account. If you don't know how to sub, I'm, I am do do
0: tech support, but here we go. Eight K. there it is. Nicely done. Um, There we go. Perfect. So we're going to do something special in just a moment. By the way, Taylor... Yul Miller is back. Taylor, we miss you too. Great to have you back in the chat. Taylor's going to be repping Canada at the World Dodgeball Championships as well. We may need to to get her on to talk about that at some point in the next little bit. But great to see her back. One of the OGs of the YouTube chat. And uh, Royal mentioning, boom, you can see the jersey right here. Uh, Greg at Royal say the Blue are wearing these new third jerseys tonight. If you do want, as I mentioned earlier today, you want to grab one at Royal on the way to the game. They've got Jeffersons, Caleros, and Big Hills and Blanks like I have right now. So what uh, you want to go on the way to the game if you want to get one of these sweet jerseys. I love them uh, over at Royal Sports. But, yes, I mentioned that we've got tickets, a pair of tickets to the game. I also have a pair of Jim Beam social passes, which will get you into the game tonight, and a free CC and Ginger, although no assigned seat, and Remo, I think people are going to love this. Considering the big milestone today, I think we need to do an impromptu marble race for the tickets and send some WST listeners to this game tonight with 30,000 of their closest friends.
1: People have been asking, we get every day, do a marble race. Uh, this guy came in uh, into the of the show. You should do a marble race for that. Or it's Monday. You should do a marble race. Let's celebrate Monday. And uh, we're just like, no, no, keep it to Friday. But yeah, 8K, I think, is a really, it's great. I'm, I'm happy. Nice, even number. And yeah, we got some tickets to give away. It's going to be a big bomber game tonight. So yeah, let's, let's fire it up.
0: Now, let me just go into the account and make sure that this is as it seems. But I do believe we've got a pair of tickets to give away for the game and an extra pair of Jim Beam social passes for the game. So what we're going to do right now um Remo why don't you open up the uh why don't you open up the the contest so people can uh, get going we'll we'll let you know when it is live uh and then yes we've got a couple of social passes for you and for first place we'll give them the choice if they want to get the no seat with the free drink option you can do that and we'll give the tickets to second place or if they just like to go and have confirmed seats in section 102, can certainly do that. And, um, we'll give second place to the thing. Now I know everyone loves to go in the marble race. Uh, please for this one, we will do the regular marble race tomorrow. Go in this one. If you can make the game and you don't have tickets already, or you have extra people you can bring, uh, just cause we, you know, do want to have these tickets, uh, and tickets used uh, big thanks to the folks at Canadian club as well, uh, for popping by. I know we, uh, had Luke and Gregory win yesterday, uh, and we've got another pair of those uh, as well. So just pay attention to the chat, everybody. And uh, are we open, Reem? Did, uh, did it actually get I did open? it,
1: it's open.
0: Okay, awesome. So you know the drill, folks, or if you are new, gotta be subscribed to win, probably already, but if you're not, hit that red subscribe button, and then put in the chat exclamation mark marbles. And uh, we'll finish off the show with a marble race with a couple of pairs to get in to uh, join the place to be. 30,000 plus, all in blue, looking to see if the Bombers can get to 10-0 and tonight. So while we load that up, let's get to the odds for tonight's games in the Canadian Football League. And um, Remo, what can I say? We actually have a very, we've got a couple of Cool Bet exclusives uh, but first let's get to the game tonight's game the Bombers have been a big favorite all week long but interestingly enough this number which was 12 earlier on is now just at nine um, so I'm not sure whether people think that the uh, Montreal is just going to be much better or it's just such a big number it's tough to cover certainly on the Bombers right now uh, but if you just want to bet the game straight up Bomber's a huge, you know, favorite. Minus 4, 435 to the money line. Uh, but nine-point favorites tonight at minus 115. But if you go to Cool Bet Specials, uh, you click on Cool Bet Exclusives. And under the Cool Bet Exclusives, we've got two beauties for you here, folks. First of all, shout out to Jake and Pat for putting this together for me. Hustlerama's special tonight Winnipeg, we're going to tease the Bombers down to six and a half. So Winnipeg minus six and a half. Essentially, the Bombers need to win by a converted touchdown, and Dalton shown to score a touchdown. Plus two twenty-five on those on that. Um, so um, as I said, you can bet that at more than two to one. Bombers minus six and a half, and a Dalton shown TD. And then the one that I know many of us, this was I think Flair Hay that hit me up on Twitter asking. To get this booked. The guys at Coolbet turned around right away and got it done. We do have the Coolbet exclusive Bombers to finish the 2022 regular season undefeated. They're halfway there right now at 24 to 1. And listen, I think it's unlikely that that comes through. Well, that's part of the reason why it's a 24 to 1 bet, Reem. Uh, but wouldn't it be something if we were talking about this and even had the option to hedge out going into those games against the BC Lions at the end? I know Mike Shea wouldn't want to hear us talk about this, but people are talking about it. 24 to 1 on the Bombers to go 18 and 0 in the regular season. And uh, tell you what, I'm here for the conversation at least. And uh, I'm obviously going to throw 10 or 20 bucks on this as well. Yeah, how could you not? I mean, you look at the Bombers team
1: and the rest of the CFL. And I said this is the pairings: the Bombers, then a gap, then Nathan Rourke, then, then a then I think there's a gap, then Calgary, and then uh, throw everyone else in there. Uh, with I think Edmonton's at the bottom, the whole East Division. We'll see about Saskatchewan uh, this week. I'm they're off a of bye. Maybe they've improved. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm I'm betting on that. The Bombers have got this favorable schedule. They clearly have the talent. Someone should print off the bet and just like you know put it on Mike O'Shea's desk and see what he has to say.
0: <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so there you go. You got plenty of <laughs> options. Plenty of options for the game tonight. Bombers nine point favorites. Um, and then there's a bunch of other props. Actually, we should get to this uh, touchdown score. Dalton shown minus one eighteen. Brady Oliveira minus 105, Dembski plus 105, Ellingson plus 110. Oh, here. <laughs> funny enough, the top four players in that are all members of the Bombers. Eugene Lewis then clocks in Bailey and Wolitarski as well. Um, I would love to get a t- anytime touchdown score on Prukop. Um, But that's not uh, that's not in, although I know that he's sort of been banged up as well. Um, so there you go. Anyways, you got all sorts of rece- what are the Let's see the receiving yards numbers. Wolatarski's 36 and a half. Dalton Schoen, 60 and a half. Ellingson, 64 and a half. Um, Eugene Lewis on uh, Montreal is 80 and a half. Nick Dembski, 50 and a half. And rushing yards, what's the Brady number? 63 and a half. Kind of like that number. He's been really, really good the last few weeks, and the running game seems to be really coming together. I think I might jump on the over as well. So there you go. Tons of options at Cool Bet to bet on this game tonight. Quick update on the other games this week. The Argos are now one-point favorites over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Questions as to whether it'll be Shilts in a quarterback over Dane Evans in Hamilton for the game. BC is now two-and-a-half-point favorites in Calgary. They opened up as just a half-point favorite. It was pretty much a pick originally. And the Riders, five-and-a-half-point favorites on Calgary the Edmonton Elks in the uh, late game on Saturday. So there you go. If you've never played at Coolbet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit, give you a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks at Coolbet. Perfect time to do that and get on this bomber game tonight and uh, have a nice fat account heading into NFL season, which of course is right around the corner way too degen to start talking about the lines on the NFL preseason games this week but I can't promise I won't do that tomorrow or in future shows. I do want to
1: add also if anyone wants to play fantasy on DraftKings, uh, we got a league on there with a contest. I think we got about 10 more spots open. If anyone wants to play me for a dollar? I put out a bunch of put about a bunch of head to heads if anyone wants to wants to grab those. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how the, how this game goes for the bombers. You know, a lot of turnovers last week hurt them, uh, but they were able to get it done in the fourth. Well, they quarter.
0: didn't hurt it that much because that's the thing. Even when they complete seven right. passes or lose the turnover thing, they still win and cover the number. So I'm surprised that this the number has gone from 12 to nine. That um, as they said will be a little more conservative. Let's get a Dalton shown touchdown. Let bombers win by seven. Plus 225 on the HUS special over in the CoolBet exclusive section. We're going to have some more of those coming up. We're going to concoct some fun things. And if you ever have something that you would like me to get booked at CoolBet, send me a message on Twitter or a DM, and I'll do my best to make that happen. All right, Reem. um, Do you want to close up? Last call for Marbles. Anyone wants in? We've got tickets for the game tonight. We've got a pair of tickets and a pair in the Jim Beam Social Zone where it's not an assigned seat, but you do get a free CC and ginger with those. So whoever is first place will have the choice that they want the assigned seats or the social pass. Whoever is in second will get the other one, whether it's seats or the social pass. But the bottom line is you'll be in along with 30,000 plus for what should be an amazing night tonight at IG Field. Um, all right, we're going to close that up, Reem? I'll close
1: it up now. I do want to say just last call. Yeah. Make sure you hit the thumbs up too. Can we get to, yes, can we get to 200? Let's, we need yeah, those let's get to 200
0: up. folks. I know there's a lot of people back in for the marble race, hearing what's going mm-hmm. on. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you've hit the red subscribe button to the channel. We can now move towards 9,000 after a great last month, getting to 8K and uh, do us a favor. Just hit that thumbs up button. Helps us spread the channel as well. Um, all right, Reem. So why don't you get the marble set up? And while you do that, I'm going to do a quick look at the FedEx Cup playoffs. Now, there was an incident today, and I will direct you to social media to find it, although you might have to look a little harder, because the original video that I believe the tour put out has been taken off. Pretty interesting situation. World number one, Scotty Scheffler, playing with world number two, Cam Smith, Of course, Cam Smith's widely been reported that he is leaving the PGA Tour and joining Liv after the FedEx Cup playoffs. That's not going over well with the guys that are sticking around. And Scotty Scheffler, basically, what the video looked like, walked right in front of Cam Smith as he was leaning down, looking at his putt, essentially walking in front of him, walking over his line, which is a... I it's not even a microaggression when it comes to uh, comes to golf. It was uh, it, it was a very, very weird situation and a lot of people talking about it. and the video has since been taken off. But there are a bunch of people that, you know, recorded it off their television, so it's out there as well. Um, so Cam Smith's in. The guys that were suing the tour, like Taylor Gooch, trying to get in. It didn't work. They're not in it right now. And Ricky Fowler, actually, was the last place guy. I believe the 125th spot uh, once it all shook out. Siwoo Kim shot a 28 on the back nine today. He is tied for the lead after shooting 62 with J.J. Spawn, But don't look now. Tied for second. Two shots back as I look to make it Five winners in a row in the lock shop is my guy, Tony, back-to-back Fino, coming off wins at the Rocket Mortgage in the 3M. Tony with a 64 in the first round. He is looking good. Um, he and JT Poston at six under. Troy Merritt, Terrell Hatton, Sam Burns, and Ricky Fowler at five under par. This would be huge for Ricky. Jason Day in that mix as well. Canadian and cool bet guy, Taylor Pendrith. Great start to his round. He's four under, along with Max Homa as well. Uh, you move down to the threes. You've got Cam Davis, Canadian Mac Hughes, Victor Hovland, Justin Thomas, and Cam Smith, who, um, as I said, unfortunately, very sadly, looks to be leaving the PGA Tour. It's a big favorite of mine. Won the Open Championship. Won a lot of us a bunch of money. Uh, But if he's gone, he's going to be gone. So, uh, FedEx St. Jude Championship right now. Tomorrow, we'll give you the latest, a little bit of a cut sweat heading into the first round of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And again, big shout-out to our friends at Breezy Bend who support us, our golf sponsor. If you're looking for an amazing spot for your family, for your golfing future, talk to Corey Johnson at Breezy about getting on the waiting list for next year. You can find out more on everything Breezy Bend has to offer over at BreezyBend.ca doing a media event next Monday. I'm hoping to get out for that potentially might even not uh, pick up and do the show down there as well tomorrow or uh, uh, next week. Uh, but we'll definitely be trying to get out there when uh, of course the Canadian mid-am and senior women's national championships comes to breezy later on this month. All right, Mr. Remus um, a special Thursday 8k edition of the marble race bomber tickets and a bomber gym beam social pass available right now first place will get the choice but regardless if you're in the top two you're going to the game tonight um are we all ready to go i guess we need to talk to tristan rivers music first before uh, before the festivities truly get up.
1: oh sorry i screwed
0: up let's just do it here All right. Yes. Hot Linda and everybody else will be added in tomorrow for the weekly marble race. If you're new to the channel, this is normally something we reserve for the last order of business on Fridays, a very popular way to uh, give away some prizes with our friends at Canadian Club and finish off what's always a fun week. But with the big game tonight, with a pair of tickets and a couple other opportunities for people to get into the Jim Beam social pass, we thought, well, let's give them away. And considering you guys have supported us so well, getting us over eight thousand subs on YouTube, we figured it has to be Marble Race time. So to recap, we've got a pair of tickets for the game tonight, and we also have two Jim Beam social passes, which has no assigned seat and hang out in the rum hut or potentially go and find one. I'm sure there'll be a few seats if you would like. And those also come with a free Canadian club and ginger rail that you can redeem at the game as well. Um, all right, Reem. Well, thanks again to everyone. Let's get ready for this game tonight. Before we start tailgating, let's drop the marbles on a special 8K YouTube sub edition of Winnipeg sports talk before the bombers look to go 10 and 0. And they're off. All right. Great start. Everyone looking to be part of the crowd tonight. It's a big funnel. Chris Vermette looking good early. Blue Thunder. Bart Oman seemingly look. I think Chris Chris and Bart right now, seemingly the top two guys. Chris is first through. Bart Omen behind and Rob Pepper, Andrew Haleco, and Troll Poet Laureate right now with the early the early leads um Chris in the lead smoothly negotiating through those obstacles into the funnel and Chris is still in the lead the first one through the next one now he's taken the right side Bart Omen's on the left we'll see how this works out but by my calculations Chris Vermette's still in first place into the next funnel uh, no that was a solid transition from funnel into the tube. Chris uh, with even a little bit bigger of a lead right now. And it looks like Andrew Haleiko and Bart Olmond are battling it out for second place right now. Chris still in the lead. First guy out through the funnel. This is quite a clinic that Chris Vermette is putting on right now. Andrew Haleiko, Bart Olmond, Rob Pepper, Taylor Ewell Miller also in the mix for these seats right now. But it's Chris Vermette. And Chris... Is having a few issues here, but he gets through the red bar, and now it seems like he is all but home free. Another W S T O G, Chris Vermette, and I'm not sure Chris has ever won a marble race before, although he sure has been in a lot. Here it is, our first place winner is Chris Vermette. Now, who's going to be second? Bart Omen, Andrew Haleko from opposite sides. Who is it? Andrew Haleko in. Just by a nick over Bart Olman. What an incredible finish for the second pair of tickets for tonight's game. Uh, listen, I, I don't mind doing the wheel of winners, but there's nothing like the excitement at the end of a WST marble race. So uh, Chris, congratulations. You nailed it today, my friend. Um, if you want, fire an email or send me a DM on Twitter uh, and just let me know whether you want the tickets or whether you want the Jim Beam social passes. And Andrew if you could also send us an email at Winnipeg sportstalk at gmail.com just let me know what address you want me to send the tickets to as soon as the show is over I will send you either the social passes with the free drinks without the assigned seat or the seats for tonight's game after we see what Chris wants to do um that was a heck of a it was a heck of a lot of fun Remo. great way to finish up the uh, finish up the week what a race that was, although I guess we didn't finish the week. Uh, I'm thinking it's a game tonight. It really does feel like Friday. I keep needing to remind myself we actually are in fact working tomorrow. Yeah, we got a show.
1: Well, I'm so pumped we have a show tomorrow. We can recap this bomber game, this bomber beatdown that's gonna happen, right? So we, so we think in front of 30, 30k uh, fingers, fingers
0: crossed. Fingers. Everyone except woke tokes is uh, is on uh, is feeling that way in the uh, in the chat.
1: <laughs> yeah, and this is how close it was. Less than a second for. Uh, between second and third for that second spot but Christopher met really going wire to wire yeah there no no like drama in that race although there was drama for second between no. Andrew although Andrew you know Bart. what
0: we're changing we got to change up the course for tomorrow because we've done that few ones and the one thing I'll say is you pretty much know the four or five marbles that are going to be there at the end coming out of the first funnel. Like it's that, all about the start on that, uh, on those twists and turns. I I'll find i I'll find a different one. Maybe we'll head back to the
1: dojo or the factory, <laughs> the laboratory, who knows? But yeah, those uh, showed it to those guys. Uh, Andrew and Haleco's
0: Andrew Haleco pasta for lunch, carb loading, put me over the top. Well, listen, you're going to need probably some carb loading as well, because if you have those, Social passes, we'll have a drink for you at the game tonight. And uh, as I said, I think they're going to be mooing a few of those tonight. Um, It is going to be a lot of fun. Now, 5.30, Princess Auto Tailgate Party opens. And um, then the festivities really get going. Just before 7.30, of course, military night, flyover, which is always really cool. And the biggest crowd of the year, over 30,000 tickets sold for tonight's game. And hopefully that number will get to 32, 31. I mean... Uh, There's still time to get in. If you didn't win the tickets with us, unfortunately, uh, Andrew and Chris were our winners. Uh, But you know what? Still, make a point of getting down there. Get online. Bombers.com. Bluebombers.com for tickets as well. Um, I'm feeling good about this one tonight. I think people are going to be leaving, having a great time at the game. And I think they're going to be leaving happy. And I think we're going to be talking about a 10-0 perfect record for the first time since 1960. And the Bombers' 400th win as the first CFL team to do that coming up tomorrow.
1: Yeah, don't tell Mike O'Shea that. Uh, They were asking him about going 10-0. He's like, we're just trying to go 1-0, right?
0: Yeah, 1-0 tonight. Oh, Derek Schmidt. Thank you, Derek, for this. 50-50 update as well for tonight's game. 142,000. $440. $440. So, uh, Scardy asking what a sell is at IGF. It's about 33000 Uh, I believe. Derek Schmidt says $33,500. So, that is essentially, uh, what it is. Um, N- N- Moatruck M- is asking about mobile entries.
1: For the marble race, you can type it. Maybe you didn't type it correctly, or you typed it late. Maybe am not, not sure.
0: Tell you what, you'll have another chance to do it I tomorrow, s- because our regular marble race will take place on Friday. And, um, as I said, tomorrow's going to be a real fun show. Rawiki's going to jump on. We'll obviously recap the program. Hacksaw, Marbles, uh, a heck of a great way to uh, finish up the week and head in. And who knows? Maybe we'll have some Jets news tomorrow, Remus, on top of hopefully talking about a big bomber win.
1: It's actually been a decent week so far for Jets news. We have the Appleton signing, which we've squeezed a lot of juice out of. The David Gustafson signing yesterday. But also means that they're all their RFAs is signed. And now we can say, okay, what's next? Come on. Come on, let's see some more uh, news. You know, what are we going to talk about here the last two weeks of August? we got
0: oh Larry's right hand.
1: Sorry. Already, I was going to say, we got to get through to this uh, Young Stars camp on the 16th. Yeah, Young Stars camp. We can't wait for the Young Stars camp. I can't wait. What uh, do you mean? Don't you want to um, see how they do? We didn't, <laughs> ha- we didn't get a development camp. So, uh, don't you want to see these guys on the ice wearing Jets jerseys for the first time? I
0: guess I mean, how do we see that? I guess maybe there'll be a yeah, YouTube streaming stream or on YouTube of
1: that. Who's going to be doing the play-by-play? That's that's also the question. We're going to have that. Well, that
0: that question is is a big one. And of course, Dennis. I know we're all going to miss Dennis this year. Dennis is back behind the mic at the World Junior Hockey Championships, and he's doing a bunch of the games. So, if you're looking at one of the non-Canada games, I believe he was doing Czech uh, Finland uh, right now. He's calling Brad uh, Lambert's goals. Absolutely. Brad Lambert Shit. and Torgerson, both with a nice start. I mean, I'll be honest, my my enthusiasm and interest level for this World Junior is, frankly, a 1 out of 10. Uh, but I am looking forward to seeing what the two Jet prospects can do. And certainly for all the kids playing in this event, it would be nice if they got a little bit more support. But middle of August, charging 130 bucks a head as to get in price. Listen, we're going to be seeing a lot of empty seats what's, for the rest of the way, and it what's really What's going is on too with bad. that?
1: Who's setting the pricing? Don't they have the dynamic pricing? The accountants. Like, it's crazy, right? Don't they want people in the building? You think it would be like a nice, listen, like, Goodwill that's, that's thing? How,
0: that's how arrogant some of the people there are. They actually thought that they would sell those tickets at $130 bucks a pop. I mean, listen, don't even get me going on it. It's uh, There's a lot of issues with this tournament. But that, outside of the horrible sexual assault scandal, everything else, I mean... Just the fact that they think that they can get away with that is, it just shows how out of touch some people are there. And uh, unfortunately, the tournament's really going to take a step back um, and they're going to lose a ton of money and that's going to hurt hockey in the country.
1: I feel like that's been a thing the last couple of years, them like putting these tournaments and charging like ridiculous prices and no one going. I feel like that's that's not the first time we've talked about that,
0: right? No, listen, post-1999, after it was here in Winnipeg and such a big success... They decided that they were going to go to bigger rinks to try to charge more money. I mean, essentially, it became the, the, the goose that laid the golden egg. Um, and unfortunately, they may have finally killed the goose uh, because there's not a lot of gold right now for the people that are putting on the World Junior Hockey Championships. That being said, hopefully Canada can get to 2-0 and with the win tonight. All the games over on TSN. Lowry's right hand with me, 24-1, to Tony Finau. Um, that is, uh, listen, he's gone back to back. Good things happen in threes. I'm completely with you. And he was one of my three picks for the lock shop. So if that happens, we're both getting paid and I will have an unprecedented streak of five straight winners on the PGA tour. Uh, follow that tomorrow as well. But tonight it's all about the blue and gold, the new third jerseys. 30,000 plus at IG field and a rematch with the Montreal Alouettes. Thanks to Ed Tate for joining us. Thanks to Ken Weeb and John Horn as well. And everyone who joined us and especially everyone that supported the channel, subscribing, getting us to 8,000 and continuing to move up, up and away heading into next season. Folks, if you see me at the game tonight, say hi. I cannot wait. And we'll be here tomorrow, 1 p.m. live on YouTube to break it down for you and get you heading into the weekend. And we will have a big marble race tomorrow as well, as we normally do on Fridays. Uh, Enjoy the game. Have a great time. Be safe. Take transit, if you will. Many great options to get to the game. But bottom line is get there, be loud, and uh, be here tomorrow, 1 p.m. on a Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down.